is Sid and Friends in the Morning. The demonstration is over now, but the issue is far from over. What to do about the mounting crisis over migrants? Every day, buses continue to pour into the city, and the problem is the city ran out of beds and funds a long time ago, and many taxpayers have run out of patience. Dozens took to Gracie Mansion Sunday afternoon, and it got heated. Organizer Curtis Lewa criticizing Mayor Adams, who earlier this summer said he would welcome a few migrant families at Gracie Mansion if allowed. The next day he flipped the script and he said, they tell me I can't do that. Who told you you can't do it? You're the mayor. To the migrant crisis in New York City, boiling over on Staten Island. Residents lashed out at migrant children and their parents housed by the city in a former elementary school. The foul language, so bad we can't air much of it, and it caused some of the asylum seekers to leave fearing for their safety. Migrants started arriving at the school despite a lawsuit trying to block the site from being used as a shelter. There were two contradictory rulings in the case. Will the migrants stay or will they be forced to go? For now, the asylum seekers are going to be staying right here in this neighborhood in a school that's no longer being used as a school that the city owns. And I have to tell you that the residents in this neighborhood are not happy about it. They've been staging protests, and they are vowing to continue to fight until these asylum seekers are moved to someone else's neighborhood. First to 10 for the Giant 14. Rodgers with the fade for Wilson and the touchdown. To my point, he threw an absolute dart. We need you to win this. Not a bigger supporter than me right here. And there's a lot of folks in New York City, President Trump, that love you still. I walk by your, your place of residence on Fifth Avenue almost every day. See your name all over the city. I know you live in South Florida. It'll always be a great New Yorker to a lot of us here. So continued success. Please come back again because I want to help you get back to where you belong, Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, I appreciate it. And you are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend. And just take care of yourself, and we'll speak to you again soon. Don't give up on us, baby. Don't make the world seem right. The future isn't just one night. It's written in the moonlight. Still a little love left Even 
David Soul. What a great way to start your overcast Monday morning and a new week on Sid and Friends in the morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. David Soul, who most of you know as Hutch from the great police drama when I was growing up as a kid, Starsky and Hutch. But uh, much like the guy Wagner who played uh, Frisco, Frisco and Felicia on GH was in Melrose Place, Jack Wagner. Jack Wagner. He had a singing career, David Soul. I mean, that's the only song I know we ever sang, and that was a very, very big hit. It was, much for the year it came out, Don't Give Up On Us Baby. But he was like this, uh, you know, rugged, blonde, tough cop, and he comes out and sings a song like that. And, of course, I love that song. But, uh, what, to- is, what is, what is I, I, really happened? I, I, listen. The side of you that I, I never saw in the first 15 very years. Very difficult to figure me out, yeah, yes. Yeah. Very. Tremendous. Uh, so I think today is uh, David Soul's birthday. Is that, is that right, Lewis? Yeah. He looks as manly as he did back then. Does so. he really? No. No, no he does. He looks sorry. He looks How old right. is uh, David Soul he today? He's 80 years old. He's 80. <laughs> Souls. You know, I remember, um, I think the guy that played Starsky was Paul Michael Glazer. That's it. And I think, and I could be wrong here, but I think he got AIDS. I don't know how or what he did. Again, I could be wrong. You guys can do some research on this. He's still alive. Paul Paul Michael Michael Glazer Glazer is alive. He is 80 as well. Oh, boy. 1943. Wow. The other guy's got to be dead. The black guy who played uh, Huggy Bear. Huggy Bear. Huggy Bear, yeah. Antonio Fargus, I think. Is that his name? I think that's his name. He was the informant, right? Yeah. He was terrific, that guy. Yeah. Paul Michael Glazer does not look. No, he's been sick for years. I think he had AIDS. Uh, I have to look. You'll have to look that up. um, Yeah, yeah, look. uh, That was a great show. Yes. Star Star Hunch was a. Very good show. When I was uh, a little kid, that was about as good as it got for police drama. I did for a little while, much like Frank Sinatra. What did me and Frank Sinatra have in common? We both had a crush on Angie Dickinson. <laughs> and she was in Policewoman when I was a kid. You remember her? Yes. His wife, first wife contracted HIV. Oh, it's the wife. Through a blood transfusion. While giving birth to the couple's first child. What a terrible... St- wow. I thought he got it. Uh, I don't see... I'm going to have to look further. But I see, I don't see that he had it. And that's all I... Oh, I'll look somewhere, all right. somewhere else. Well, happy birthday, 80th birthday to, uh, to David Soul on this Monday morning. And a lot to get to today. I mean, a lot. I uh, texted John Katsimatidis. He texted me last night. Because I became aware, of course, I knew Curtis was getting arrested again. I did not know how crazy that whole scene was going to get. In fact, right now on Fox News, I'm watching Curtis Sliwa right now. New York City residents protest growing surge of migrants, and there he is talking. So I knew he was going to get arrested. He did for the 80th time. He's got three arrests in about two weeks. But then I became aware that uh, his show, which is on Sunday nights, I didn't know this. I guess he's on 8 to 11 p.m. on Sunday nights, was in jeopardy as to whether or not he was going to make it. And I think he didn't make it. And all I care about is if he's here at 710 with me every morning. I don't care about his weekday show, his weekend shows. As he's quick to admit, they mean nothing. Curtis Sliwa gets all of his pub right here with me. Everybody knows that. 
So I had to uh, ask Noam very early this morning if, in fact, Curtis Sliwa was out of jail because when I fell asleep last night, I think he was still in jail. But uh, Noam, if, if Noam is out there listening, believe that uh, at some point last night, Noam, uh, even uh, Curtis even pulled into the station. Is that right? He was, yeah. So he was supposed to do a show last night. I think it's 8 o'clock. So Andrew Giuliani stepped in. And then when he was able to get out, which was really hours after he was arrested outside Gracie Mansion, he called in and spoke with um, uh, Dominic, I think oh, it was. Oh, Dominic. Okay. So he's out. So he'll be here this morning. Uh, the, I, he's walking in as we speak. I oh, just he saw him walking, walking in. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. great, good. Well, listen, it, it was rough, and, and it did um, it did actually compel me to put something on social media, Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, and on Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, I don't tweet anymore. And I said, look, violence, I'm not okay with that. I went to two rallies last week in Brooklyn both with Curtis, and I'm very proud of both. Tuesday night, Floyd Bennett Field, hundreds of people showed up to that one. And then Thursday night, again in Brooklyn, Toys R Us parking lot, Flatbush Avenue, a big turnout with that one as well. A lot of politicians, but uh, neither of those events was even concerned about violence. And, you know, I was yelling and screaming and throwing the F word around the whole night, and so were the people that were there to support us. But I never, ever, ever was even concerned about any violence. And when I saw what happened the last couple of days, you know, folks at the migrant shelters in Staten Island yelling at the kids, just don't do that. Just don't do that. I mean, again, I've been very vocal about having these people here. They don't belong here. I don't want them. But I've also been very vocal about leave them alone. Don't touch them. Don't yell at them. It's not their fault. They're here because your politicians have done a horrendous job. I mean, I see Mayor Eric Adams, pictures all over Instagram on Saturday, Suzanne Miller, who's a friend of mine, some other young lady in politics, smiling and S-eating grin from ear to ear. His life is great. He spent a couple days in Israel. He had a couple of fundraisers in the Hamptons. He couldn't give a rat's ass. You want to get angry? Get angry at him. And, of course, get angry with Joe Biden because he's the real problem here, the real problem by not closing the border. Point is, it's not the migrants' fault. Now, I don't want him here because there were two rapes last week in Buffalo, and once that happens, that is the migrants' fault. That is. But the truth is, they're here because your politicians have failed you. You can't be showing up at these centers yelling at the kids. That is a douchebag move. Doesn't make you tough, doesn't make you a great American, doesn't make you a great New Yorker, makes you an asshole. So don't do it. Don't do it. If you listen to me, if I if my voice matters in the morning, don't do it. Now, in terms of what happened yesterday at Gracie Mansion, I've been told by Johnny Tobacco, by Andrew Giuliani, by Curtis, that Antifa, BLM, they were there, they instigated the fights. Maybe that's true. I don't know. I wasn't there. And, look, if somebody messes with me, I'm going to fight back. And it's not above these Democrats to put those instigators, those people, at these events to make it look ugly for us. It's not. So do I believe it? Yeah, I do believe it. But but it still looks bad. It looks bad. Fighting and violence, 
Just can't have it. Just can't have it. Not going to help us. Not going to help us. Trust me. So I put the uh, the two posts up on social media last night. You can read them this morning. And I remain very, very vigilant about that. Now, I did see a story that Curtis sent to me that came out in a paper called State and City. Norm, are you familiar with that, State and City? Sure, yeah. So they wrote a long story on Saturday, and it was entitled, Brooklyn Democrats Appear Alongside Curtis Sliwa at the Rally Against Migrant Shelter. They say State Senator Roxanne Persaud, I don't even know who that is, I know she was there that night, warned the proposed shelter could expose asylum seekers, and up with that, they're illegals, stop, to unsafe conditions while Sliwa railed against illegal aliens. And I'll say it again, do not bother these people, don't yell at them, certainly don't touch them, but I am one of those guys who cares less about their safety than I do about my family's safety. I'm sorry. What I mean by that is not for people to go up to them and punch them in the face. I mean whether or not they're in, in uh, flood zones or these types of things. Does that make sense, Noam? Uh, sure does. Okay, thank you. So at the very end of this column, it reads, I wanted to have a cordial conversation. And here's what it reads. The contrast between Democrat speeches and Republican speeches at the rally was striking. While Parsad said that the conditions for a shelter at Floyd Bennett Field are not, quote, habitable for anyone and urged listeners to put the politics and rhetoric aside and talk about people, WABC's Sid and Friends host Sid Rosenberg and Guardian Angels leader Curtis Sliwa, who has been arrested twice, make that three times now, while protesting against other migrant shelters, described asylum seekers as illegal aliens. They are that whose presence is destroying neighborhoods, that's true. The crowd erupted in cheers as Rosenberg and Sliwa spoke. A truck parked beside the rally displayed a message from Republican City Council Member Ina Vernikoff, who also spoke at the rally that said, quote, the right to shelter is for homeless New Yorkers, not influx of migrants. Both Persaud and Mercedes Narcisse, Another lady I don't know, but I know she left early because she was scared to death she'd be booed by the crowd. That's a profile in courage, huh? Both Prasad and Norcis seemed uncomfortable with the tone of the rally when Rosenberg and Sliver were speaking. Narcisse appeared to leave halfway through the event, seemingly missing an onstage shout-out from Jamie Williams and only resurfacing at the very end to speak with her colleagues. Now, she was the one I told you when I was speaking. I heard somebody saying, he's disgusting. How to be her? Because she was aggravated. She left, came back later. I'm disgusting. I'm disgusting because I spoke for the people. Didn't lie to my constituents like both Republicans, Joanne Ariola and Democrats, Narcisse, Persaud, and Stacey Piper Amato have done for months. I didn't lie. So she can call me disgusting and she can be uncomfortable. She could leave. Who cares? What has she done to help protect us? What has she, what have any of these people done to help protect us? Walk around in their fancy pantsuits, Eric Adams, Grinning all weekend long in the Hamptons, what are they doing to help us? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. Here is uh, Curtis Sliwa 
yesterday at Gracie Mansion talking about the crowd control, and he does say Antifa is the reason why things got violent. Lou Rufino, Curtis Sliwa, cut number one. I showed them their flyers. They intended to assault us, violate our ability to speak freely. They had the ability to speak freely. They were supposed to be in their pen or in our pen, right? That's the American way. I want them to be able to curse me, holler me, wish me dead, wish me a plague, you know, leprosy, whatever. That's their right. But Antifa never operates like that. They always come to fight. And the cops, ever since the summer of 2020, they're impotent. We couldn't handle this. We could have had this all out. I told them this morning at Yeah, we got it, Curtis. They weren't even born when I was first doing it. You saw me out there. I did more crowd control than some of the white shirts. It's really shameful. They really got to get their act together because they're going to be more than demonstration. This is the first of many to come. You're going to see, we're getting arrested when I finish my speech. Civil disobedience. The mayor said he's Mayor Gandhi now, right? He's never done anything Gandhi like. I'm going to show him what Gandhi is to do. All right, on this one, Curtis Lewa, number two. Curtis Lewa says the blame for all of this lies squarely on the shoulders of Mayor Eric Adams. Lewa Pino, cut number two. He's created this mess. He doesn't want to deal with it. He never did it. He didn't set the example. So, once again, Eric in the Hamptons with Anthony Scaramucci and all of his buddies, smiling, grinning, fresh off his five-day stay in Israel. Life is great for the mayor, while the rest of us continue to fight for our neighborhoods doesn't seem right. Now, look, I didn't go to Gracie Mansion yesterday. I'm not a protester. I can't stand that stuff told you time and time again, I look at these people as losers. Well, I became one of those losers twice last week, except for Curtis. Curtis is a different story. But I became one of those guys twice last week, but I'm retired. I did my two events in Brooklyn on Tuesday and Thursday. I would not go to Gracie Mansion yesterday. I was on the beach. I was on my roof deck. I enjoyed a sunny day with my family. And that's the way a Sunday is supposed to be. While I was doing that, Lewis... His significant other, MJ, was celebrating what looked like a birthday weekend. Looked like every day, Friday, nice dinner, Saturday, nice dinner. Then he's at uh, the wharf. He's at he's at uh, the bungalow bar. It was an extravaganza. It was. A whole weekend of birthday celebrations, God, huh? God, it's nonstop. Did you have fun? Yes, lots of fun. You were drunk the whole weekend. Well, maybe yesterday. You were which hammered was yesterday. The worst, yeah. It was the worst day to get drunk. When but... I saw you, you sent me a picture with uh, Sean and Siobhan from my neighborhood. Yes. Very nice people. Yeah. Lunatics, but nice. Oh, lunatic. Siobhan is nuts. Yeah. But you got to love her. Crazy. Yeah. And saw uh, an artist I think you saw at Adrian, uh, Dave. Was he playing at uh, Dave Kellen? Guitarist? Oh, are you serious? Yeah. I know him. He's a good guy. He he was the guy that played on Friday night. Yeah, he he's was. really good. Yeah, he's very good. Really good. Yeah, where was he song. performing? He was at the the bungalow. Well, how'd you know that I saw him? Because he told me. Well, because I gave him twenty bucks. That's what he told me. He did. He said, "Oh yeah, this guy. Yeah, he said it's on ABC. That's right. Oh, you work with him? That's yeah, well, right. I didn't say that to him. He must have heard that from the owner okay. Marty. But Somebody. I did give him a nice tip, and he uh, he really was terrific. And talking about Adrian's, that was a great night on Friday night. It's in Broad Channel. Uh, Marty and Karen Feeney are the owners, great people. All their kids, Leo, Frank, there, their grandchildren, they were there. Uh, the rigatoni there is as good as it gets. It happens to be Marty's late daughter Adrian's recipe. But everything from the appetizers 
to the entrees, to the desserts. There's a picture of me on Instagram chowing down some cheesecake. It was a special night, and he was terrific. And it's funny you saw that guy because he, um, he I must have said ten times how great he was. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, he's been playing around the Queens area for a long time. So he's one of our local folks. Yeah, he's going to be in Rockaway a lot, All and right. he's excellent. Dave what is Kellen. his name again? Dave Kellen. Dave Kellen. Okay, big big show coming up today. Lots more to discuss. Don't forget, this is Trump Week on Sitting Friends in the Morning. You know, Bernie and I got Trump on back in um, April of like 2017. Then we had a five-year drought. We couldn't get it back. Well, guess what? I'm getting him back on Friday for the second time in three months. And I received a text from his daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, on Saturday, which said, glad to see my father-in-law is coming back on your show, dot, dot, dot. He loves you. Who would have thunk that, that one day Donald Trump would say, I love Sid. But he's coming back on Friday at 840. For today's show, Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Larry Elder, about to levy a huge lawsuit against the Republicans. Bill O'Reilly will be on twice this week, today and Thursday. We'll also talk to Joyce Kaufman and maybe Jacqueline Toberoff as well. It's a big, big, big Monday morning show with me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Happy birthday, David Soule. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Down the house, 6.30 on your Monday morning. Don't forget, I will not be here tomorrow. Wednesday is still up in the air. Wednesday, I was not coming in. Then Saturday, I was coming in. Now, I may not be coming in. But I won't be here tomorrow. Wednesday, up in the air. I'll certainly be here on Thursday. And then, of course, Friday is the big one, President Trump. Back on sitting Friends in the morning, coming up at 8.40. I know that uh, Andrew Giuliani, who filled in for Curtis last night... He's out with me every Friday, and he told me on Friday that the president brought me up to him a couple of days ago when they were out there on the golf course. And then I did receive a phone call from uh, Sergio Gore, called me on uh, Friday night to tell me that the president is looking forward to coming back on. I told you what Larry Trump texted me on Saturday. So uh, Trump will be back 
on Friday, and it's going to be epic. So I'm here today, Thursday and Friday for sure, out tomorrow, and maybe out Wednesday as well. So I go to this uh, place on Saturday night. My, my daughter, Ava, she's got a friend named Becky. And Becky went to college and started NYU. So her parents, Jack and Lily, drove Becky to NYU on Friday. And she's an only child, and that's always kind of tough on the parents when all of a sudden you go home and there's nobody there for the first time in 19 years or 18 years, whatever it is. So um, my wife knows uh, Lily a little bit through Ava and Becky and all that. And she said, I'm going to grab some dinner on Saturday with Jack and Lily. I said, fine, you know. So we went to a place in um, in Breezy Point. It's called Bay House. You know this place, Lewis? What an unbelievable view. Have you been there yet? No, I'm thinking. Oh, Lou, you got to go. Bay House okay. and Breezy Point. I'll be right back. Lou, you got to go. Go back. right now. Go right now. No, Get out of here. I can make it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm serious. It is a gorgeous view. I mean, it blows Kennedy's away in terms of the view because you're elevated on that second floor and you're right on the water. Kennedy's is lovely, too. So I met the owner of Sean, terrific guy, and the bartender, Jimmy, is a huge fan of ours, never misses a show. I can't go to any place anymore in New York, not one, where if not the whole place, at least somebody loves this show. They love it. So I walk in. We got there early, Danielle and I, so we sat at the bar until Jack and Lily showed up, and I looked at the television screen, and I had totally forgotten that the Giants were playing the Jets. And, of course, uh, I'm going to be at that first game Sunday night, September the 10th, when the Giants host the Dallas Cowboys. Right now they're a three-and-a-half-point underdog to start the 2023 season. And, of course, the following night, 9-11, the Jets will be in the same stadium, opening up against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And right now the Bills are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So both the Giants and the Jets are home underdogs when they start their season's in about two weeks. So I look up at the screen, and it's already 14 nothing Jets. And I go, oh, man, I missed Rodgers. So I asked Jimmy, the bartender, about Aaron. He said, Sid, he looked really good, really good. Sharp, threw a beautiful touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson. I tell you right now, you talk about great quarterback, wide receiver combinations in the National Football League. Rodgers to Wilson is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess Hurts to A.J. Brown, big one. Stafford and Cup are both healthy again in Los Angeles. Allen to Diggs, that's a big one. I would say Tua to Hill, but or even Waddle, but you never know if Tua's going to be healthy. You know, and obviously you've got, when he's healthy, Burrow to Jamar Chase. But I really believe that Rodgers to Wilson could be the deadliest quarterback to wide receiver. I'm not a Jet fan. Combination in the National Football League. So we'll play the... Touchdown, which clearly the giant announcers, my dear buddies, Bob Papa and Carl Banks on WFAN, were very impressed when they made this call on an Aaron Rodgers touchdown pass against the Giants on Saturday. First and 10 for the Giant 14. Rodgers with the fade for Wilson in the touchdown. To my point, he threw an absolute dart. Carl Banks, he threw an absolute dart. So, again, I didn't see it. Uh, did either of you guys, Lou or, or Justin, even know him? Did you actually see it? I didn't, I didn't it. see it live, but I watched it a bunch of times. Yeah, okay. you know, but you guys didn't watch it live. You didn't watch it, Noam, did you? 
I did watch it live, and it was unbelievable. No, that oh, you did? Yes. No, you didn't. I did. No, I watched it just to see Aaron Rodgers' series. What were you doing, we, and where were you at six o'clock on Saturday night? We were about to host a party at our house, okay. and so we were setting up. And so I said, "Let me watch a little bit of this game because cool. I'm excited about Aaron right. Rodgers." Sure. And that pass was unbelievable. It was like a dart. It was beautiful. It was perfect. Uh, did he throw two touchdowns? Or no, just, just one. one. Just, just one. one. Yeah, it looked good, huh? It it looked good, and then I turned off the TV because I was like, he he was out of the game. That was it. That's all you wanted to see. Yeah, right now. yeah, yeah. The the Jets did win the game, thirty-two to twenty-four. So we had that kid Ricky Golden here on Friday for Juice Real making picks. He did tell you to take the Jets and lay the six in a meaningless preseason game. If you did it, you won because the Jets did win the game by eight points. But again, now no more preseason football. We get ready for the start of the year. Two weeks from tonight will be the Jets and the Bills. Two weeks from last night, the Giants and the Cowboys. Okay, we got um, Lori Blanchard in all week for the vacationing Joe Nolan doing traffic. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC cast clip of the day. Listen to my man, John Katsimatidis. It's a great show. Catch Roundtable, that's where common sense prevails. Always tells both sides of the story. Comes your way every Sunday morning at 8. Also listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Here John talks with my guy, Governor David Patterson. Uh, Governor Patterson, uh, what's on your mind this Sunday morning? Well, this is something that does go on in our city, our state, and our country, and it's that the political divide has become so exponential that people don't trust anything uh, that others of a different political persuasion believe in. So, for instance, you've got people questioning the judgment of a court. You've got uh, people questioning the discretion of a district attorney. And you've got this on both sides. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. As previously mentioned, Saturday night to see the Jets beat the Giants 32-24 in each team's final preseason tune-up. Aaron Rodgers did indeed register two series under center for the Jets, going 5-8 of eight through the air for 47 yards and a touchdown pass to what's sure to be his most popular target in Garrett Wilson. Daniel Jones and most of the Giants starters did not see the field in this contest as both teams gear up for week one, now less than two weeks away. Over the weekend on the Diamond, the Mets dropped two of three at home to the L.A. Angels, albeit managing to salvage the finale yesterday with a 3-2 victory. Pete Alonso had a tying double in the eighth inning before Rafael Ortega walked it off in the ninth to halt a four-game losing streak for New York. The Mets will stick at home, where they'll welcome in the Texas Rangers next, starting tonight at 7.10 p.m. Tell McGill will get the start in Game 1 against Texas's John Gray out in Tampa. The Yankees' struggles continued in losing two of three against the division rival Rays over the weekend after yesterday's 7-4 loss. Yankees are winning in that game. They were down 2 nothing. Yeah. They and they hit three home runs. Yeah, back the, uh, to, back the to catcher, back. the yeah. uh, DJ LeMayhew made it two-two, and then the kid Anthony Volpe mm-hmm. hit a go-ahead two-one home run. The Yanks were up four to two. How many home runs does that kid have? Volpe, I got to double check for you. He's got to have like at least fifteen home runs. I would say it's a little bit closer to eighteen and nineteen. Yeah, yeah. he's only hitting about two hundred, but the kid. 
kid's got some jack. Uh, listen, after a really slow start, it's been uh, it's been overshadowed by how terrible the team as yeah, a whole has been playing. Good. But he's been having a good second half. Yeah, they blew that four-two lead and they lose again. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and frustration seemingly boiled over for the Yanks with benches and bullpens emptying twice in the eighth inning. Eighteen after home runs. Eighteen home runs. I was right. A lot of home runs for that kid. Yeah, he's a kid. Eighteen yeah. home runs. Mm-hmm. This kid had twenty home runs this year. Derek Jeter didn't do that. No, nope, he did not. You got that right. And Derek Jeter won Rookie of the Year. <laughs> frustration seemingly boiling over for the Yanks. So benches and bullpens emptying twice in the eighth inning after one of five hits, uh, hit raised batters, I should say. No punches thrown, and the Rays get the last lap and handing New York their eighth straight loss in a series rubber game. The Yanks will see if they can at least refrain from plunking anyone in tonight's series opener against the Tigers in Detroit. First pitch scheduled for 6.40 p.m. Eastern Time. Luis Severino versus Detroit's Reese Olsen in that one. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. Through the world's best go Boilers, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Forty-four Monday morning, Curtis Lewa, Rich Lowry, Larry Elder, Bill O'Reilly, Joyce Kaufman, maybe Jacqueline Toboroff as well. It's a big show. So I uh, spend my 5 to 6 a.m. hour every morning naked with Lou. What? Well, maybe that's not true. I don't know. Not every day. Not every day. But what I do every weekday morning is listen to Noam because I really like his show because he's really good. Because he... Um, he attacks mostly New York City, does some of the national stuff, too. He'll do that, the Trump stuff, blah, blah, blah. But I like the way Noam covers New York City. In fact, at the risk of sounding like a plagiarist like Joe Biden, I will steal some of Noam Layden's stories from the morning. And he, uh, you know, he's, he's got great sound. He's got good opinions. He delivers it very well. 
I think he's a great news guy. I do. I thought that for many, many years, even when I had him replaced by Juliet Hardy. <laughs> I thought he was great, but just, you know, wasn't cute enough. Right. No. But <laughs> stop laughing. You know that's only partly true. Right. Yeah. Craig Schwab and Bernard, God rest his soul, were every bit to blame as much as I was. There was a long lunch at an Italian restaurant, now out of business across the street from Madison Square Garden, where the three of us, not just me, the three of us, came to the decision to get you out. But not to leave the station, which you did. And that was a big mistake because you worked at WOR, and, and it was the worst experience of your life, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I got six days later, I was WOR, which is kind of amazing in radio. I mean, no, you've got talent. Someone's going to pick you up right away, but how, how brutal was that? That's it was, a bad mouth cutting in those guys. But. It was, you know, like being in the diaspora for a while. <laughs> oh, that was a great <laughs> reference. Wow. That oh, is great. <laughs> Yeah. So then Noam, who was angry with me for, for a while, because it got back to me and he lied, of course, and no, he wasn't. Uh, he did uh, to Debbie, the Deb, what I did to him. Basically. Oh, come on. Same thing. Of course you did. See you. Get out. That's how the business works. It's a very, very rough business. It, it is. really is. Brutal. I put something in, uh, in my social media yesterday. I put a picture up of me and Peter Gordio. So Peter has been on this show many times. He's a terrific actor. He's in Gravesend. He was in a Bronx Tale. He's one of my dearest best friends. He really is. And um, I'm in a new uh, short film, which I'm very excited about. In fact, I'm doing some of the filming tomorrow in Eastchester. And there are some very, very, very big names in this. Very big names. It's my third acting opportunity, fresh off the successes I had with Gravesend and Inside Man. Long story short, there are people in that crew that don't like me. I know it sounds hard to believe, but they don't like me. Because I like Trump and because I rally against the migrants. I don't know who these people even are. I haven't met anybody on the set outside of my acting friends. None of them. So there was an issue. And uh, long story short, Peter Gordio said, if Sid is not in this movie, I quit. And I called Peter. I said, Pete, my radio show is my bread and butter. And I'm not going anywhere. doesn't matter who comes at me. They're not getting rid of me. This show is way too big, way too important. New Yorkers care. I said, but you need this. This is your job. You're an actor. I don't care. I'm loyal. You're my buddy, one of my best friends. I quit. And he quit. He quit. So, long story short, they brought us both back. But the loyalty that Peter showed right there is something you just don't see. You never see that. And it just doesn't exist in this business or politics. Is that fair to say, Noam? I would say that's accurate, yes. Accurate, right, 100%. Mm-hmm. Even nice people get caught up in the business. You know, people want to work. They want the job. They're not bad people, but they just don't care. That's the bottom line. Now, I love you guys. This is my crew. But I lost Macedonia Phil in 15 minutes. Couldn't do anything about it. Gone. See ya. Who's that? That's right. No. Who's that is exactly right. <laughs> so I listen to Noam every morning from 5 to 6 to get updates on stories I may not cover. One of those is Maui. We did have Tulsi Gabbard on this show about 10 days ago. She was terrific. What is the latest in uh, in Hawaii, Noam? There was a missing list that they released over the weekend. Had about 388 names on it. 
And their hope is that a fair amount of these people on the list are people that just haven't identified that they're still alive, but they just don't know yet. So they're slowly going through that. They over the weekend, they pretty much finished up their investigation of going through single family structures, going through all the homes. Um, but since so many of these homes were incinerated, of course, you might imagine it's hard to figure out if somebody passed away inside them. So they released that list. Uh, they're again hoping it won't be as high as it is. And then this week they're going through structures that are larger that were like two stories and businesses and try to figure out if people died in those as well. Terrible. There was a story too about a school. Little kids. I don't know if that's ever resurfaced again. They haven't found those kids. Anything new on that? Or? You know, there was a lot of back and forth about this. And one of the people who's been leading these press conferences really shut it down when reporters started asking them about how many kids died. So we just don't know. Wow. All right, let me get to the next story, Staten Island, where you had uh, attorney Lou Gellarmino in here on Friday. And uh, Lou, thanks to Johnny Tobacco and others, went to work for me and Curtis to try to figure out a way to keep the illegals out of St. John's Villa Academy on Staten Island and eventually keep them out of Floyd Bennett Field by me in Brooklyn. And it looked like Lou had success because on Friday... They uh, they shut it down. Now, the migrants that were already there were going to stay, but no more were coming, and they were going to move those migrants out, is what I was to believe. And then it turns out, I guess there's been a, a um, well, a new development. It was Friday. It's not new now, but it was Friday. That didn't go well for Curtis, Sid, Lou, or the people on Staten Island. What would that be? No. So you're right. They the the a judge sided with Staten Island, said, OK, you can't put people at this closed St. John Villa Academy. It was a Catholic school. And then City Hall pushed back. And in the same day, which is kind of amazing, a judge overruled the first um, judgment and said, no, they can stay. So there had been a number of buses that had rolled rolled in. And there was this scene outside the John Villa, St. Uh, John Villa Academy, where uh, protesters had showed up, um, were yelling and screaming at some of these migrants who yeah, were getting off the bus. Do. Well, like I said uh, on my Instagram and Facebook last night, Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, on the very first segment of this show today, you can't do that. You're just you're being a complete buffoon, an idiot, a bully, a loudmouth. You want to do that? Do it to Eric Adams. Do it to Kathy Hochul. Do it to Joe Biden. Do it to Mayorkas. Don't pick on these little kids. What do you want from them? You know, they came here with their mom and dad to enjoy a better life. It's not their fault. I'm not happy they're here. I'm not going to be a, a hypocrite and tell you I am because I've told you I'm not. I don't want them here. But they are here. It's not their fault. Don't start yelling at the little kids, idiots. Am well, I wrong? It, it got so – I have a little bit of the audio, actually. I can play – it got kind of yeah, – uh, play it. It's it stupid. got some, kind of ugly. So often to sleep at night when little kids start getting raped and you allow this – Not here. Not anywhere. Get oh, come on. And so what happened, Sid, was some of the migrants who got off those buses on Staten Island Friday walked back onto the buses and said, hey, do I have to stay here? And when authorities saw what was going on, they said, no, get back on the bus. And so were, there were a fair amount of people who got back on the bus. I don't know yeah. where they were sent to. But, uh, again, hours later, a judge overruled that first judgment, said they can stay at St. John Villa Academy. Uh, and now political leaders on Staten Island are saying they want a curfew for the school of 11 p.m. every night, that people can't be out after 11 p.m. Well, I do like the curfew right thing. There's no curfew at any of these places. And again, Danielle runs early in the morning. Ava's out late. 
and uh, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, these folks could be roaming around that Brooklyn area, walk over the bridge. I don't know. So a curfew does make sense. I can tell you this. The attorney, Lou, who was on on Friday, who did stop this initially, and again, as Noam told you, it uh, eventually went back the government's way. He did say to me, Lou Gellarmino, that Friday's ruling that ruled against him after he initially won that was the most disappointing moment in his 40-year practicing career. And he basically, at this point, has not given up, not given up, but has a very sour look on New York and the United States. Sad. But um, that's where we're heading, folks, and that's why so many people are so angry and so upset. But I'll say it again, you got to control yourself. Don't start yelling at the kids. What do you want from them? They're going with mommy and daddy, and mommy and daddy said we're going to a new place, and that's what they're doing. That's just dumb. All right, 1-800-848-WABC and cruel. 1-800-848-9222. we got a boatload of big-name guests starting with the man. I get huge ratings every morning at 710. Every morning because people cannot wait to hear Curtis Lieber with Sid Rosenberg. And now, coming off his third arrest in less than two weeks, yesterday at Gracie Mansion. Trust me, lots of ears on this show this morning. Curtis Lee was coming up in about 15 minutes. WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Cool J with a triumphant comeback. But tonight. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants. What's up with the beer? Making the tears rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass go boom. got this from our mutual friend Ina Vernikov yesterday. It was the statement on a decision to house the migrants at Floyd Bennett Field from City Council member Mercedes Narcisse. I don't know who that is. I guess she was there on Thursday. I couldn't pick her out of a lineup. We'll get to that. It is 7.06 on your Monday morning. We put this time aside every weekday because it's an important segment for New York City. It's become a very highly rated segment, which is important to me. And I love the guy who's on with me. Gets big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon. Huge ratings, hosting overnights all weekend long. But admits himself, his best work is right here, 7.05 to 7.10, every weekday morning with me, the icon, the legend, coming off his third arrest in less than two weeks, Curtis Sliwa. 
That's, is that a record for you, three in less than two weeks? Yes, yes, it is. Um, well, congratulations. You're, I, like, you're I will, Lou Gehrig. I, <laughs> I will tell you this. The death sergeant at the 28th Precinct where they took me and two Altachachas, I had two 81-year-old people arrested with me. And I heard one of those 81-year-old ladies was still in jail like midnight last night. Did no, she no, get we, out? We got her out. Okay. We got her. Yeah. But the death sergeant said, yeah, I had to speed up the process. I said, speed up the process. You took our photos. You took our fingerprints. I said, ever since Trump and Giuliani, I guess you have to show this is what happens when you get arrested. But he said, no, I got to get you out of here. I want to I wanna listen to you on sit in the morning. Oh, come on. Did he really say yeah, that? He says, that's what I do. I drive my wife to work, and I listen to you guys at WABC. That's great. So he said, I'm, I'm getting everybody. Come on, let's get him. You got to yeah. get him out of here. That's, that's great. I do want to get to yesterday, and it uh, looks like uh, John Tobacco is aggravated this morning. He needs to get over it. Uh, you're not going to do that crap with me. Uh, no one. I've been very nice to John. I say nice things about John. He's a great TV host. He's a great New Yorker, great American. I actually love the guy. But don't act like a douchebag with me on the show. It ain't going to work, okay? So we'll get to that conversation and why he's upset, which I couldn't care less. But I want to start with Thursday because uh, I've got the statement here from Mercedes Narcisse. I guess she was there on Thursday night. You sent me an article from City and State, which uh, really laid out our effort on Thursday and said that when Rosenberg and Sliwa spoke, the crowd went nuts. They loved us. They did not love the politicians. And when, when we spoke, there was at least one, maybe two politicians who were visibly irked. And actually, this Mercedes lady left during uh, one of our speeches, if not both of them, and came back when we were done. Were That's you it. aware of all this? Sid, how would anybody know she left? Nobody even knows who she uh, is. Do you know who she is? I don't. Absolutely not. She's a person of no consequence. Look, who invited us? That was the main thing. Jamie Williams. That's right. She is a moderate Democrat who represents that whole area. By the way, she came to our annual Guardian Angel picnic and festival in Canarsie on Saturday. We yeah. do that at the house, my mom and dad's house that we use as a headquarters now. And that's all West Indians and Caribbeans. And you saw how supportive they were of us. That crowd on Thursday was mostly moderate Democrats. I had no idea... Jamie was even a Democrat. Yes. Until I read the story you sent me Saturday morning. I thought she was a Republican like us, like me, I should say. I had no idea. And now that I know that, I'm even happier because she is 1,000% on our side. Absolutely. And look, the Democrats, uh, it's difficult for them to directly blame Eric Adams and Hochul, as we do. We, we tie them in with Biden. We don't separate the three. They uh, are now turning on their president. Uh, Joe Biden, they're beginning to say in chorus, close the border because you, it, it's a tsunami you've unleashed on our city and state. We're further along in understanding it's not just Joe Biden because our governor and our mayor refuse to do anything in terms of naming and shaming him personally. Neither Hochul nor Adams. They never name and shame. They never say Hey, President Joe Biden, you are the one responsible Never. for this. Never. They, they, they say federal government, which I told you before, leaves open for Adams the avenue to attack the federal government, Republicans, too, when he keeps talking about immigration reform, which has nothing to do with this. Just like right to shelter has nothing to do with this. He finds a way to confuse 10 different issues well, and then goes to the Hamptons and raises money and smiles all weekend long like everything is great back here in New York well, City. Well, you know, it's incredible. He's in the Hamptons all weekend long getting wine dined in pocket line. Meantime, he had announced 
He wants Kathy Hochul to give him the National Guard airport in West Hampton. Yeah. The National Guard is based there. You would think the Hamptonites would be saying, what are you crazy? You're going to put the illegal aliens in West Hampton? <laughs> no, it's like, it's never going to impact us. It's going to impact all of us. Next year, the bottom falls out. It's going to be no money for normal services. They're going to have to cut police, fire, sanitation, teachers. They're going to have to close government agencies. Why? For the illegal aliens? Are you out of your mind when there are so many? Like in Canarsie, they're West Indians. They're from Barbados, they're Trinidad, Tobago, Jamaica. They're St. Curtis. We had to wait. We had to wait three, four years. We had to go through the process. Now we're homeowners. Now we work in the city. But we we love this country, but you can't just come across the border as if you have an easy path. Oh, listen, I agree with you, but uh, let, let's break it down in its simplest terms, okay? I have said on stage and in print, and I have no remorse, I don't take it back, I don't want these people here. That's when Mercedes or Stacy Amato or maybe even Joanne said, he's disgusting. Well, tough. I still feel that way, but, but, it's not their fault, okay? If you were them and you had the opportunity to leave and come to New York and the politicians allowed you to do it, you would do the not same thing. Not only that, put you up in the Milford Plaza Hotel right. in Times Square. And they're giving us food all day with an right. iPhone and a smartphone right. and health insurance. And, and they're treating us better than their own people. Oh, my God. Look. So, well, that, but that's why I put on social media what I did. I guess I pissed off tobacco, which I don't care, which is direct your anger towards the people that you're doing it. That's why I love what you've been doing. You're directing your anger, Curtis, towards Adams, towards Hochul, towards Biden, towards Mayorkas. You don't want these people here either, but it's not their fault. So to, to go outside of St. John's Villa Academy, whether they're 18-year-old men, little kids, women, doesn't matter to me. What are you yelling at the migrants for? Understood. But you got to understand, Sid, having been there a lot, they had this shoved down their throat, all the residents there who were there. I know, the but, but, but did these migrants at any point on Friday or Saturday, or illegals, as I like to call them, too, on Friday or Saturday, did they do anything to, to gin up the crowd? Were they, like, yelling at the crowd? Were they, well, did well, they do anything? This is what happened. I'm standing there right at the barricade, and the security guards who are getting paid are inside giving the finger to the grandmothers who were outside. The grandmothers are going crazy. And the cops wouldn't do anything to stop. I said to the cops, you want to start a riot here? I'm telling you. The security guards that work for the city. For the city. Well, the illegals right. that were being yelled at and screamed out is important. Were they saying, doing anything that that required people to come back at them? The honestly, the, honestly. Yes, the security guards were coming into the window. Not the security guards. They I, worked I, for the city. Right, right, but I'm asking about the illegals. Right, but they were coming through, right, and the people were saying, we don't want you here. Okay, so, so, the, answer, so the answer is no. The illegals, <laughs> you're, you're trying to be nice. The answer is no. The security guards worked for the city. The illegals were not the ones screaming, leave us alone, get out of here. You heard none of that, right? None of that. Did they do so anything? They don't even understand English. Correct. They, they, Correct. they don't understand so, so what why, anybody is So saying. why would people on Staten Island right. go after them? Why? Well, you got to understand. Look at what happened to them, right? They had this shoved in their face. So do I. Employed by the field. Yeah, I'm you, not going to go yell at the migrants. Well, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. If they put it on your block. 
It was just that block. They live right there. I am not going to go yell at the migrants. Maybe not you, but some of the neighbors might, right? They might, but that's not okay. the right thing to do. But the, there's no go, doubt about it. Go after the politicians. I understand that, but the politicians are not there. They're not going to be there. The people are there around the clock. So you got. But you get... know we look like idiots, and, and we're, we're trying to build something here, understood, which you're doing a great understood. job. We look bad. I had to, yeah, we, we look every bit like Antifa and BLM, we're doing uh, the same thing they're let's, doing. Let's get to Antifa. Good. Now, yesterday, they had warned that there would be a crazy man. I go into the 19th. Who warned that? Antifa. Did somebody actually reach out to you and say? Well, no, they were blasting it out. Yeah, yeah. They said they're coming. And you know they come dressed all in black. And they come to smash skulls. They don't come to exercise their First Amendment privilege of free speech. They're they're anarchists. They don't believe in cops and prisons and any structure. So this is what happened. I go into the 19th precinct early. I say, guys, you know, Antifa's going to be there. Yeah, we're well aware of it. I say, are you prepared? Can you discuss what your strategy is? We got it, Curtis. I said, you never had it in the summer of 2020. You never had it Good every time you. Antifa is there. When Antifa shows up, it's like Superman with kryptonite. <laughs> you guys seem to all of a sudden not be able to handle them. And I told him, I said, there are going to be grandmothers there. Look, the two people I got locked up with, 81 years old. I said, you must protect them. They did not. They allowed Antifa to roam around. When you say they, just uh, reiterate, who's they? The police. The police. And so why do you think the police allowed that? Are they they on the take? No, no. They just have no balls? No, no, no. It's a combination of things. First of all, they don't have nightclubs any longer. There's no billy clubs. They have nothing, no nightsticks to keep a crowd back notice. They got to wrestle people. It's sort of like, you know, WWE if you want to stop people. If they had nightsticks, they could just hold it out and keep people at bay. You see, the people who made these decisions don't have to be in the street. And I'm I'm all out in the crowd, and I see Antifa trying to jump right at the elderly people because they know that would incite the of crowd. Course, right. Finally, they got to act together. But they didn't use my plan. I tried to share a plan with them. The cops were telling me, we got it, we got it. And they didn't have it. They didn't have it. And to your credit, uh, this must be said on air. I know John, everybody listens. Not only were you out there before this event warning people about Antifa, but when the fights actually started to break out, I saw a video. It is very, very clear that you're actually trying to break up the fights. That's it, unbelievable. I'm getting hit. You're getting hit all Antifa over the place. Antifa is trying to <laughs> kill me out there. I'm like, don't touch my friend. Leave him alone. You actually were out there physically trying to help push all these people. Away, push yes. And finally, the cops. You see, they could have had this in lockdown to begin with. Look, people have the right to say whatever they want. That's the First Amendment. 100%. Antifa has the right to say, but when you come dressed all in black, with masks on, with umbrellas, and I told the cops, search them. They got weapons. When they put the umbrellas up, they're going to start throwing rocks and bottles like they always do. Remember, they broke my jaw twice. I remember. In the summer of 2020, yeah. when the cops were removed by de Blasio and the guardian angels were the only ones out there. I know these people. The cops, yeah, we got it. Yeah, yeah, you got it, okay? I don't know what it is. When they see this paramilitary group that wants to destroy cops coming, it's like Superman with Prozac. Other times they're great. Yet, which group gave the police two applauses? We said, we support the blue. And the cops were very happy. You do that every rally. Every Every rally. rally, You make sure you do that. Without police, there's no democracy. There's anarchy. So in the end, three people were arrested or more. No, well, there were three people arrested when people were battling one another. Right. Uh, so there were two Antifa, and there was one member of uh, our group. 
And then it, saw, it quieted down. No, but, but, went, but did they arrest the Antifa members, yes, too? Yes, two of them. Okay, good. Two good. I was upset. I thought it was just you and the nice old ladies. No, no, but we were, at the end, civil disobedience. That was because of the jostling, the pushing, the punching. Finally, the police got it together, and then our rally continued. And then, as I had said, civil disobedience. You know what we got arrested for? Blocking the gate that leads into Gracie Mansion. And I said to the cops, you know Eric Adams is never here. They said, he's never here. Never. I said, so why are we getting arrested for blocking the gate when, in fact, you never open the gate because he's almost never here? And the sergeant has said, very good question. Guys. <laughs> yeah. so, and so he was in the Hamptons anyway. So, oh, my God. All weekend long. All weekend long. Scaramucci. Oh. And, uh, so uh, did anybody come out of Gracie Mansion representing the mayor, looking no. upset? Nothing. No, Nothing. Because he's never there, Sid. I know that. It's, it's, I know that. It's basically great. That's why he offered to house migrant families, men, women, and children there. And then the next day he reneged, which outraged everybody. And he said, well, it's symbolic. That's the problem in this city. Everything is symbolic. Nothing is being done. Look at the craziness in the subway over the weekends. I thought we were going to get all of that in check. People are afraid to ride the subways. Oh, no, crime is down. Shootings are down. Murders are down. That doesn't affect day-to-day people. Getting on a train with crazy people affects people. They have no idea because they're out in the Hamptons raising the roof, and he's getting wine-dined in parking lot. What is he doing this for? To run for re-election. If he did a... Decent job because he's a Democrat. He would win in a landslide. Yeah, but he's even, in trouble. No, he's in trouble. Saying first term, Eric. The West Indians and the Caribbeans that I was with in East Flatbush and Canarsie on Saturday, very upset at Eric. He says he treats those illegals better than he treats us. What stops the mayor? I know he was in Israel vacationing, basically. I know he looked at technology, and he's going to fight anti-Semitism in Israel. When, of course, eighty-six percent of the attacks in New York are blacks. They're not in Israel. They're in Brooklyn and the Bronx. So who are you kidding? What stops Mayor Adams from showing up if he's here on Tuesday at Floyd Bennett Field or Thursday at Toys R Us and says, hey, folks, I know you're pissed, Curtis. I know you're pissed, Sid. Thank you for your hard work, Stacy and Mercedes and the rest of these losers. But just so you know, I'm with you, and I'm trying he doesn't do any of that. Well, he doesn't do any of that, does he? Sid, he doesn't like being booed. And you know both sides would boo him. Oh, they kill him. They kill him. Democrats kill him. Yeah, that's why supposedly Mercedes left the stage. Whoever the hell she is. Yeah, yeah. Who's she? I have who no would, idea. Who would even notice? Oh, I Mercedes is in here. I mean, who the uh, hell is she? Stacey Amato got booed loudly right at, uh, right at the start, and right. she said to the crowd, "Why are you, why are you booing, booing me?" me? And, and about fifty feet away from her was a guy named Tom Sullivan who beat her handily. She stole the election. There's no question about it. He's a war hero. Afghanistan, Iraq, Kuwait, dragged bodies out of the nine. Eleven burning buildings, and she wants to know why she's getting booed. Really, Stacy? You can't be that stupid. Politicians totally are getting booed in Staten Island when they were speaking. Mostly Republicans, some Democrats. They got booed. Even Vito Pacella got booed. No, no, Vito, because he's been very proactive. What about Nicole Maliotakis? Uh, no, but they were they were getting a little uh, jousting. a little squirmy, a little right, squirmy. squirmy. <laughs> and then when everybody else spoke, uh, because they were saying, "What's the plan? What's the plan?" I keep saying, like John Katsimatidis, Rikers Island, Rikers Island. It makes the most common sense. And they started booing the Republicans. So people are just upset with politics, politicians in general. If Eric Adams were to get up on that stage. 
I guarantee you, Democrats and Republicans, maybe one of the few things they would agree on, they'd boo him. He can't take being booed. I know, but but how, you're right about that. And most people can't. I don't think Trump can either. But how much better would he look if he took the booze, yes. he took the booze, and he said, I got it, great, boo me all you want, just know that when I go to bed tonight, the last thing I'm going to think of is how I help this city. How much better would he look? I would ask, whose bed are you going to be in tonight? Because you're never <laughs> in your bed in Gracie Mansion. <laughs> the cops are telling me, uh, Curtis, he's never here. Why are you blocking the entrance? I mean, we have to arrest you because that's the law. Silly. But I'm telling Please. you, he's never, never here. There. How many people would you estimate showed up last night? Well, Yesterday. There were, there were 500 who were there to protest. They kept the half the group away. See, that was the other part. Just like they closed the bridge on Thursday, the the Marine Park Bridge, the Gil Hodges Bridge, which prevented a lot of demonstrators from coming over from the Rockways. So you see the cops now are on the down low taking instructions, I'm sure from their commander-in-chief, Eric Adams, slow these demonstrations down because it's making me look bad. Well, the next question then becomes, no matter what the mayor tries to do by slowing them down with the cops working for him, are you going to slow down? Because you had Creedmoor in Queens. Yes. Then you had a bunch in Staten Island, two in Brooklyn, now Gracie Mansion. Three arrests in ten days. You have become, I know you know this, but you're humble, you have become the voice of New York. People yes. love you. They love you. You're not out there encouraging violence. No. You're not out there starting any trouble. I don't want to hear any more about City Hall calling the station. I don't care. Let me say this. City Hall can blow me. How about that? They can blow me. They cause this issue, not Curtis Sliwa. You're the guy trying to fix it. What's what's ahead now? More rallies? More protests? Yep. What's coming up? Yeah, no, there are people who have reached down to me from the mid-Hudson Valley where illegal aliens have been sent from here, there, unwanted, and Suffolk County. Because, you know, the uh, county executive, Peter Ballone, uh, it's not Peter Ballone, uh, Steve Ballone has been MIA. And notice, everywhere. Oh, isn't that James Burke's buddy? Yes. He's been MIA. Now, notice, uh, Eric Adams didn't dare say he wanted to put any of the illegal aliens in Blakeman's backyard, in uh, Congressman Peter King's backyard. In Nassau County. Not one. Well, but Bruce Blakeman, to his credit, came out right away and said, over my dead body. Right, like Ed Day. Remember, in Rockland, notice. Yes. Now, one illegal alien there. Ed Day, a former police officer, partner with Eric Adams, he said, I'll reach out and strangle you. We're going into court, temporary restraining order. And then remember, in typical Eric Adams fashion, you're a racist, Ed Day. You're an anti-Semite. And the one-third of the Orthodox Jews in Rockland County who voted for that day said, how the hell could he be an anti-Semite when you voted for him? <laughs> well, that's, like calling Donald, that's like calling Donald Trump an anti-Semite. His daughter's right. married to an Orthodox Jew. He's been to shul on Yom Kippur. But see, this works. There's not one illegal alien in Rockland County. No? Ed Day showed the way. Everybody else waits. No, you've got to preemptively say, like Blakeman said, no, you're not sending any of your illegal aliens in here. That's why I get so frustrated with my neighborhood, Floyd Bennett Fields, and that whole area, because you came to me on this show three and a half months ago. Folks, listen carefully. Three and a half months ago, and you said to me, they're coming. And I said, I'm going to call Joanne Ariola. And I was really under the impression Joanne was going to be angry like you and I and stop it. And instead, she said, I don't take my orders from a radio guy, basically calling you stupid, and went on to say, I'm in touch with the mayor, so am I, and the governor, and uh, I'll take care of it. And three and a half months later, she's on stage with you and I acting as if, oh, my God, look what's happened. And getting booed. Yes. And getting booed. So if she would have been on 
top of this three and a half months ago, like I told Channel 11, which it didn't air, maybe we wouldn't have this situation right now. Now, isn't this ironic? Uh, your friend, Scaramucci, uh, is hosting a fundraiser for Eric Adams. And people were calling me from West Hampton. Can you me organize too. a demonstration, Curtis, because they want to put illegal aliens right here in the Air National Guard unit, which is run by the state. How ironic. <laughs> the people in West Hampton want me to help them organize a peaceful protest against any potential illegal aliens being sent in. Why, Scaramucci, that's Fachi, <laughs> that's Schifosa. Well, he was He's on... raising money for I Eric know, Adams. Eric. Like, look. It, by the way, he was on like two weeks ago, Anthony, with me, and as you heard, yes. it didn't go very well. No. no, but look, if Eric Adams did a halfway decent job, based on the enrollment of Democrats, overwhelming Republicans and independents, he wouldn't even have to campaign. People would say, yeah, keep the Democrat in there. He's in trouble. That's why he's spending all of his... He had to cancel his fundraiser in Martha's Vineyard yes. with all the black elite because... The black elite weren't showing up because they were saying, you're forsaking our people. What happened to the brothers and sisters, black veterans, black homeless, black emotionally disturbed, blacks with alcohol and drug problems? I was on 125th in Lexington Friday night. People were online to go to Ward's Island, the homeless shelter. Veterans, black veterans saying, Curtis, our mayor, my man has forsaken us. He's taking care of people we don't even know. I served America in Afghanistan. My friends were killed. And look at me. I'm sleeping in a dorm with eight people, half of them criminals who just got out of prison, hacking up with cars. What is this? Eric Adams, you've forsaken us. And all the brothers on 125th and Lex were high-fiving me saying, that's right. Sliwa, I should have voted for you. Next time, Sliwa in the house. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. I told you I went to that place and brought Channel Adrian's on Friday night, named after the late daughter of Marty and Karen Feeney, two wonderful people. And the four of us, uh, me, Danielle, Marty and Karen, had a great time. They were very, very sweet, very hospitable. Leo, Frank, all their grandkids. It's a great place. Nestled there on the water with a gorgeous view. Adrian's and Broad Channel. They make a great rigatoni, which was their late daughter Adrian's recipe. But you mentioned the guy that was performing. He did this song, Sweet Melissa, and I loved it. So here's some more Allman Brothers, Sweet Melissa, on a Monday morning with Sid. So what's this guy's name again? 
Dave Kellen. You ever hang out with him? Yes. It was a long time ago. Though. Really? Yeah, he's been out. I haven't seen him play. In... How old is that guy? I couldn't tell. I'm guessing he has a couple of kids. Oh, he does? Yeah, a couple of daughters, I think. I used to go to this place, uh, the 40s, Chef's Table. 40s. 40s, okay. This place, the Chef's Table, which was on 116 on the corner. In fact, I met uh, Melissa there. She's the one who set up that whole photo shoot I did for that magazine or the health magazine and preferred men. And um, they moved. They moved from our area to Lindbrook. But they had a guy also, just a guitar, just him. And I don't know his name, but he would perform there and actually went back to the restaurant more than once to see him, more than the food. <laughs> and this guy, Dave, is that good? And they're supposed, to, they're supposed to have a band that night. The band actually canceled because of the supposed to be really bad weather that night. It would be a beautiful night. This guy, Dave, was great. Yeah, he is. He's excellent. And the other guy who was with him was the uh, violin player there? No, he was just alone that night. Oh, okay. This yeah. other guy plays. He's amazing. This guy, Nick. And they, he got his last Now, name. where did you see them? At, at the wharf? Bungalow bar. Oh, bungalow bar. Okay. Very nice, Lewis. Excellent. Very He's nice. Good guy. And Curtis cool. uh, was just great. I thought he was measured and terrific. And uh, this is the Curtis Sleewood that needs to run for mayor, this guy, that was just on with me for 16 minutes this morning. You know, he's he's out there doing the people's work. I know City Hall's upset. Who cares? My God, who cares? What have they done for us? You know? I mean, I, I don't have any allegiances to any of these people. I don't. I could be friendly one day and, and forget about you the next. All I'm concerned about is how my city is doing, how my neighbors are doing, how my friends and family are doing. I'm not interested in seeing smiling pictures in the Hamptons. I'm sick of it. Spending five days in Tel Aviv. All that's great. If the city was going great, God bless you. If 3,000 able-bodied men were moving into my neighborhood any day now, God bless you. If crime was really down, like they try to tell you, God bless you. None of it's true. It's a mess. It's a mess. City's gross. It's gross. And you're going to spend Israel, the Hamptons, and then, you know, look, I've got really, really close friends that remain nameless in and around this guy all weekend long. I mean, God bless you. Ain't going to be me. And don't make me feel bad for criticizing him or Curtis feel bad for criticizing him. Stop it. Stop. Somebody's got to speak for the people. And although some of these people get carried away, and again, I don't encourage any violence towards anybody, not the able-bodied men, a kid, a woman, it doesn't matter to me. Any of it. But someone's got to speak. Not just sit there and party like everything is great. It's not great. It's not. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. You want to hear something funny? So Danielle was cleaning out the um, the basement. We have a lot of boxes and all these old documents. <laughs> it's great. So 
She found this like accordion file. And in this accordion file, Lou, was my WFAN contract in 2001. Me, I miss me and Jody McDonald. She found a contract where I was on the best damn sports show, getting 500 bucks a week, doing it out of a broom closet, basically in Times Square with Tom Arnold and Chris Rose and John Sally. She found uh, something for arena football. These were all the things I was doing in the early 2000s. And then she finds, and I sent this to Chernoff and Olivero, she finds an old memo from Mark Chernoff. I can't wait. I'm going to show it to you. I actually took a picture. And it goes to Imus, Sid, Bernie, and eventually it gets to you, Rob, and Charles. And it says that there are people that are complaining because we're using words. They're not any of the seven FCC violation words, but they're words that are upsetting some of the people at CBS and some of the listeners and so he actually puts all these words that I guess I miss was using, maybe me and Bernie, I don't know, same words I use now. And he puts them in italics, and he puts them, he puts them in the memo. It was hilarious. I'm not going to read it. That's not right. It's 20-something years later. But I sent it to Tony, and I said, Tony, do you remember this? He said, Sid, I remember writing the letter and sitting there and laughing as I was typing out the word. <laughs> <laughs> and that would happen every, you know, like every couple of months, right? Basically, okay. I got. I have to. Re- I can't even remember it, but there was so many of those kind of things that happened, a lot. But it, all those words just started happening, and yeah, that you couldn't stop it. No, I mean, I just wasn't going to listen to that. No, but turn up was doing his job. That's fine. But it was just funny seeing the memo, which twenty years old. The memo actually came out one month. It was March. Of 2004, exactly one month before my daughter Ava was born. Wow. Yeah. And I said that to Chernoff. I go, this is right before Ava was born. There was the program director. I don't, you don't it was Eric Spitz. No, but the, I'm talking about ones before Chernoff. Ma- Mason? Oh, the, uh, was Mark. that uh, Mark Mason, right? Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't care for him too much. Anyway, uh, beside the point, he he confronted Imus in the hall. Oh no! Don't do that. The, after the show, oh no! Like about an hour late, he was walking around. He goes, "Hey Don, can you can you kind of not um, not uh, use the word uh, a hole?" Right. Uh, right. Like he right. used the word a hole. Sure. Right. Right. Stop bad. calling people dick bags. All Imus said to him was like, "Well, how am I not going to use it when I'm talking about you?" <laughs> What do I do then? See, that's a brilliant line. <laughs> that's a brilliant line. The eye man from way downtown, right. as Breen would say. Well, I can't use not use it if <laughs> you come up. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm going to show you. I, I, it's in my uh, pictures here. 20 years old and like it was yesterday. Uh, what a lot of gold treasures you've had. Oh, I do. I got a lot of them. Uh, it is 746 on your Monday morning. We put this time aside every week for the editor of the National Review, also NBC, Politico, and just a tremendous Monday morning guest, and that's my friend Rich Lowry. Rich, good morning. How are you? Hey, good. That shows why you should never throw anything away. That that woman who who wrote all those books about throwing everything away, Maria Kondo, whatever his name, yes, is completely wrong. hundred percent wrong. So many memories. 
So many memories. I, I sat and laughed with Danielle for 30 minutes on a Sunday 20 years later. How do you beat that? Yeah. Uh, and if you need to throw it away, you can always throw it away later. Right. Uh, one thing I won't remember in 20 years, I promise you, I promise you this, was at the bank <laughs> last debate. week. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, listen, I'm sick of Vivek. I'm sorry. I think Trump likes him. Maybe he's got the inside track at the VP job. He, he's a smart guy. I'm not going to deny that. I don't like his foreign policy when it comes to Israel and Taiwan, but he's mm-hmm. also a smug little bastard, smiling oh, all the yeah. time. And no I just can't. And something about him I don't like, and I really dislike Chris Christie. So I'm watching this debate going outside of Tim Scott, who was awful. He wasn't bad. He was awful. <laughs> I don't really like anybody on stage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Rich? <laughs> Yeah, I Help thought DeSantis me. was 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 okay. The Fine. thing is, he he seems kind of scared of constantly, right, of saying the wrong thing or whatever. You know, he showed no flexibility, no sense of humor, never smiles, or when he smiles, is extremely forced. I'm totally with you with Vivek. I, I just think he's glib and insincere and kind of acting as Trump's valet. And if Trump wanted to destroy him, he could do it in about two minutes. Um, Christie, you know, for, forceful communicator, but probably not going anywhere. He has a little pickup in New Hampshire. Scott, a total non-factor. So, um, you know, the polling shows that uh, – at least some polling shows that DeSantis did help himself. We'll see. I mean, the whole ball game is Iowa. Um, there, it's, it's not close, but it's at least somewhat competitive, whereas you look at nationally, and it's just – it's not even it's not even close. It's yeah. not even a race. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand, that debate got more viewers than I could have imagined. It got almost 13 million. I was shocked to mm-hmm. see that. But I believe, and I know Twitter lies and you can't trust the numbers, so let's cut it in half. We're saying $110 million for Tucker Carlson. Let's cut it in half, which is a huge reduction. That's still four times as much as anybody who watched the debate on Fox News, Trump and Tucker Carlson. Well, how about that? Yeah, I mean, you got to cut it by, I don't know, factor of 10 or something, because it's counting everyone who, you know, Elon Musk retweets it, and then automatically 200 million people supposedly see it, which yeah. means they just scroll scroll through it. So I'm not sure how much of an impact that interview had, but obviously he's the, – the mugshot did. I mean that's like the, the cover of the, the Abbey Road album or, or that picture of uh, Muhammad Ali you know, in the, in, yeah. the, in the ring. Yeah. I mean if Trump becomes president again, he should demand that the Postal Commission make that thing into a stamp. <laughs> it's like instantly iconic. <laughs> that's right. And no one else – you know, yeah. he's a brand genius. No one else would think of doing that with a mugshot. No, did. I know. Never Surrender is making all kinds of money. Enjoy Weed spent the whole weekend on MSNBC killing mm-hmm. Trump for it because she's a racist and a moron. But Trump this morning is concentrating on one thing. He really wants Kevin McCarthy and the House GOP to move to this impeachment inquiry. He's like, what are you waiting for? This guy's a bum. He's a crook. And if you don't do it, do me a favor and fade into oblivion. So all these Republicans who are hard at work trying to do this, whether it's McCarthy, Jim Jordan, mm-hmm. Nancy Mace, Jim Comer, they need to get it done or they risk drawing the ire of Trump. He doesn't care. And this morning, that's what he's centered on, impeach this damn president. Yeah, so he'll, he'll get a, an impeachment inquiry, I assume, and then eventually I think the, the logic will, will head towards impeachment. Just the problem McCarthy has is if, does he have the votes for it? You know, there, there'll be four or five Republicans, moderate districts, like, no, this isn't good, good for me to do. So that, that will be the only thing that will stop him. Otherwise, I think we're heading down that road. By the way, our friend, and I say our friend because even though you were once a never-Trumper, he did uh, actually send back one of your own columns about him and signed it and said nice things to you. Then you met him for lunch. So no matter how you want to 
Next question. No, you guys are tight. So he's coming back on this show on Friday, second time in three months. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. 8.40 on Friday, and we're going to talk uh, mostly about you. So. <laughs> I, I hope not. Have you had you had Vivek on, or you're not, not going to do that? It's funny you should say that. So uh, months ago, I received this award from a Republican club. It's called the Metropolitan Club. My friend Chris Lenzo mm-hmm. and host of others up on the Upper East Side, me yep. and Rudy Giuliani received awards tonight. And the guy, what's the guy's name, Rich? Uh, John Paul Isaac, the laptop guy. What is his name? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. whatever his I, name I is. Yeah. So the three of us received awards that night, and the very next night they gave Vivek an award. And and Krista okay. reached out to me. Yeah, and she said That's a lot of awards. I know. She said Vivek is in town. Do you want him? I said yes. And he came up with like nineteen different excuses why That's he couldn't weird. make it, and he has not been on this show. And uh, that, listen, I admit it. I am really immature, like really immature. And when you don't pay attention to me, I'm like Trump, uh-huh. same guy, same guy. You don't pay attention to me, then odds are I'm not going to like you. So even if Vivek was great, I'm not going to like him because he, mm-hmm. you know, he, he basically, uh, you know, screwed me. And so when you combine that with his stance on Israel and Taiwan and his stupid white teeth, he uh, he lost me. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> he lost me. I'm yeah, not, you know. I just, I just, most of the stuff is not sincere um he 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 knows where the energy is i mean he's shrewd and a really good communicator and says some important stuff i'll give it give give him that but this is this is a campaign to get a a weekend show on fox or to get a trump trump position somewhere along the line so you're a new york guy and uh a lot of my show these days has been curtis i actually did something Mm -hmm. i never do in my life i went to two rallies last week excuse me did you get arrested that's the question no i did not get arrested i uh and i was never going to get arrested they were very peaceful rallies, no violence. I was happy about that. Last Tuesday and Thursday, Curtis has been arrested three times in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But, but look, we are out there railing against Biden, Mayorkas, Kamala, and here in New York, Hochul and Adams for acting as if they care. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts? Well, I think it's important to do. And, you know, I think Adams has moved. You know, it doesn't make a huge difference, obviously. But on a, a lot of ways now, he sounds like an immigration hawk, I guess, Hochul's moved a little bit too, so it's important to keep the keep the pressure on. And cer- certainly, Curtis is. I mean, he, he's piling up the arrest. Next, I'm going to start arresting his cats. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it, it gets attention, and uh, it's important. I mean, do you do you think that the mayor and or the governor actually care? And I say that because the mayor just spent five days in Israel, a waste mm-hmm. of time looking at drone technology, fighting anti-Semitism. I mean, laughable. And then he went right to the Hamptons, and they had all these yeah. fundraisers, Scaramucci, other people. Mm-hmm. I saw him in ten pictures, smiling ear to ear on Saturday, while these other people are getting arrested and fighting for their streets all over yeah. New York. How am I supposed to believe these people care? How? Yeah, well, that's 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 a really important part of the job for Adams, obviously, that he, that he enjoys a lot, which is which better than his predecessor, who is just always in his uh, uh, oh, you know, in his gym shorts, you know, showing I, I know. up the, the gym late or whatever. But no. He uh, are, we, are, we, are, we, are we going to rate Adams and say he's okay because he was better than de Blasio, <laughs> who was the worst politician ever? I mean, he needs to be significantly better just to be average, oh, no. and he's not. No doubt. No doubt. No, I totally agree with that. He cares about it to the extent that it's an embarrassment. That's a political embarrassment and a problem for him politically that he cares about. Does he really care about you know some community that's uh, being changed because a, a, an abandoned community center is being made into a shelter? No, I don't think so. What's it going to take for Larry to get out there? Where do you live? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should. Maybe I should. Oh, you'd be great. 
I'll leapfrog you, said, and get arrested. And then, then uh, no, you I'll can't get arrested. More the not review needs you. You can't get arrested. <laughs> well, listen, as always, <laughs> I'm choking to death here. My mugshot will be awesome. Oh, yours will be awesome. <laughs> now, now, why do you say that? Will you actually do your hair for it? Will you no, smile? No, I don't. I always look terrible in those stores. So you DMV passport type photos. Yeah, so do I. I don't, so I don't do I. have what it takes. Uh, you know, it's is. funny you say well, well, because I actually was down on Rudy and Trump last week for looking so mean and angry and upset mm-hmm. in their mugshots. Like Michael Keaton got arrested in the movie Night Shift, and he was mm-hmm. smiling. And I think mm-hmm. it would have gone a lot further to say, "Ep you, you stick up a middle finger. If you smile on the mugshot, like, I don't care. This is great. Thank you. But when they looked angry and upset, I felt like the terrorists won. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think I think the, the Trump mugshot worked. You liked it? It just works. Yeah. yeah, he looks like Imus with the uh, with those uh, eyebrows. He does. There is a resemblance. <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it. <laughs> uh, actually, Rob Bartlett put up a side-by-side on Instagram, and they both yeah. have those gray, wacky eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's eerie how similar they look. Hey, Rich, uh, you're the absolute best. I right, love awesome. you. Thank, Thank you, Rich. You next week. All right, you got it. There he is, the editor of the National Review, Politico, NBC. He does it all. He's on Fox News quite a bit lately, too. That's my dear friend, which Lowry, still a lot more to do. Sid Rosenberg on a Monday. We're coming right back. In Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The demonstration is over now, but the issue is far from over. What to do about the mounting crisis over migrants? Every day, buses continue to pour into the city, and the problem is the city ran out of beds and funds a long time ago, and many taxpayers have run out of patience. Dozens took to Gracie Mansion Sunday afternoon, and it got heated. Let's close the border already. This is unsustainable. Mayor Adams has said this is a sanctuary city. Suffolk County is not sanctuary city. I pay 20K in property tax to live in Comac. Organizer Curtis Lewa criticizing Mayor Adams, who earlier this summer said he would welcome a few migrant families at Gracie Mansion if allowed. The next day he flipped the script and he said, they tell me I can't do that. Who told you you can't do it? You're the mayor. 
to the migrant crisis in New York City boiling over on Staten Island. Residents lashed out at migrant children and their parents housed by the city in a former elementary school. The foul language so bad we can't air much of it, and it caused some of the asylum seekers to leave fearing for their safety. Migrants started arriving at the school despite a lawsuit trying to block the site from being used as a shelter. There were two contradictory rulings in the case. Will the migrants stay or will they be forced to go? For now, the asylum seekers are going to be staying right here in this neighborhood in a school that's no longer being used as a school that the city owns. And I have to tell you that the residents in this neighborhood are not happy about it. They've been staging protests and they are vowing to continue to fight until these asylum seekers are moved to someone else's neighborhood. First and 10 for the Giant 14. Rogers with the fade for Wilson in the touchdown. To my point, he threw an absolute dart. We need you to win this. Not a bigger supporter than me right here. And there's a lot of folks in New York City, President Trump, that love you still. I walk by your, your place of residence on Fifth Avenue almost every day. See your name all over the city. I know you live in South Florida. It'll always be a great New Yorker for a lot of us here. So continued success. Please come back again because I want to help you get back to where you belong. Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, I appreciate it. And you are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend. And just take care of yourself, and we'll speak to you again soon. Don't give up on us, baby. Don't make the wrong seem right. The future isn't just one night. It's written in the moonlight. David Soul, as I said earlier this morning, Hutch, <laughs> big tough guy on Starsky and Hutch, singing a song like this, Don't Give Up On Us, Baby. Today, David Soul is 80 years old. Unbelievable. Both Paul Michael Glazer, who played Starsky, and this man, David Soul, who played Hutch, are 80. 80! And then, of course, in the open, you heard everything from the Curtis Sliwa rally at Gracie Mansion. He was arrested for the third time in a week yesterday, to what's going on on Staten Island, to Aaron Rodgers throwing that beautiful touchdown pass on the Jets' preseason win over the Giants on Saturday, to President Trump last time he was on May 11th. And, yes, this is Trump week on Sitting Friends in the Morning. President Trump back on this show coming up this Friday at 8.40 a.m. You know I love Trump, but I love a lot of guys. Last time Larry Elder was in studio, I loved him, and I've loved him for years. He was on with me and Bernie a bunch over the last couple of years. Big radio guy out in California. They did the recall to get rid of Gavin Newsom. I was hoping Larry Elder would win. And guess what? That awful debate last week, there were two guys, not just one but two, who say they should have been there. They met all the criteria. Neither was. Perry Johnson, no one cares, and Larry Elder, a lot of us do care. Well, it turns out Larry's pissed 
and, in fact, leveling a lawsuit. So with that said, here he is, Republican nominee for President of the United States, great radio guy and terrific guy overall, my friend, Larry Eldo. Larry, good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, Sid. That was quite a setup for the black face of white supremacy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that's what and, you and are. You're the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> I mean, technically, it's not, it's not a lawsuit. It's, it's a complaint that I filed with the uh, Federal Elections Commission. Here's the deal. Uh, the criteria, as you know, are 40,000 individual donors. Check. Uh, 20, 200 had to come from 20 different states. Check. And you had to submit three polls where you were at at least 1%. Check, check, check. Get a phone call from Ronald McDaniel. I'm sorry. We're disqualifying you. Why? Because one poll you submitted we can't use. Which one? Rasmussen. Why can't you use it? Well, it's affiliated with Donald Trump. Well, assuming that's true, what does that have to do with me? Well, any poll affiliated with any candidate can't be used by any other candidate. I said the same Rasmussen poll that you guys quote all the time, the same one that was the most accurate in 2016. Yeah, can't use it. So we submitted another one, but then they said you submitted that one too late. Even though the polling of that one was done before the deadline, the results weren't published until after the deadline. So they said that I'm not eligible because I submitted that one too late. Now, check this out, Sid. One of the guys up there gave a $20 gift certificate for a $1 donation. That apparently is okay. Another guy up there gave a commission for people to go out and get other people, and then they got commissions for getting other people. That apparently is okay, but I did it the old-fashioned way. I said, go to my website, LarryOla.com, make a contribution. That's apparently not good enough. And by the way, five or so of these polls, national polls, never even mentioned my name. So I don't know how you get 1% when they don't even mention your name. While mentioning names like Liz Cheney, who isn't even running, or uh, Glenn Youngkin, who isn't even running, or Mike Pompeo, who, who isn't even running. So in short, I got shafted. So I'm filing a complaint. My lawyer is a former chair of the Federal Election Commission. He argues that by not putting, putting me up there, by not using the same criteria against me as against the other ones that made it, essentially what uh, RNC did was give an in-kind contribution to the eight people who made it, and also what Fox News did was give an in-kind contribution to those who made it. So therefore, both could be subject to a $100 million fine by the FEC. Wow. Well, you know I'm on your side with this, uh, Larry. Bergam is a guy also that did that gift certificate nonsense. He ended up yeah. on stage, and he's not nearly as good as you are. I mean, look, I, I, I'll get to the debate in a second, but clearly, you know, you mentioned that Rasmussen polled Donald Trump. I was told by somebody in your team that they even bum-rushed Don Jr. and Kimberly out with security. So clearly the RNC, the folks at that debate, were um, were anti-Trump. And is that fair to say? Well, well, that's right. I didn't even mention that. Not only was I barred from the debate, I was barred from the debate venue. They put up a big sign at security and said, if Elder shows up, don't let anybody on his team uh, enter the building. So now what? I'm on the RNC watch list. But what is that? Look, I understand the Trump thing. I get that. But where does that come from with you? What have you done to deserve any of this? I, I guess they thought I was going to show up there with a bomb or something. I have no idea. Sid. All I know is that big, a big sign right at the security, don't let Elder's campaign team in. By the way, Rasmussen said Trump had nothing to do with their poll, did not commission it, did not even know that they were doing it, and Rasmussen contacted the RNC, before they did the poll to make sure that they were using the rules and regulations properly, and the RNC never said, oh, by the way, you guys are not eligible. So any way you slice it, I, I got shafted. So what happens now, Larry? You've, you've been at this now for, I well, guess, about a year. Uh, you don't make the, Now, there's another debate coming. I know that. My wife's birthday, late September, debate number two. <laughs> uh, I mean, are you going to be allowed there? I mean, wh what do you do now to further your campaign? 
well, it hasn't been a whole year. I officially announced on April the 20th on what turned out to be Tucker Carlson's next to the last show. What happens next is the next debate is here in California at the Ronald Reagan Library on the 27th of September. And I've got to get 3% in the polls and have 50,000 individual donors. Hard to get to 3% when you aren't on the stage uh, to tell people what what you're all about. Right. Uh, but we're still doing it. We're doing uh, shows like yours and uh, other shows. I did Charlemagne the God recently. I think I'm going to do it again. Hopefully we're trying to get on the view. Uh, I'm doing a lot of radio, print, TV interviews. And, um, and you know, I, I just hope I can make that debate. But, but, but wait, 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 listen. I, I, Charlemagne the God is an interesting guy, okay? Uh, most people wouldn't think Charlemagne the God and Sid Rosenberg would get together in the same room. But uh, he's actually more fair than people know and, and has called out the Democrat Party on many occasions. I play his stuff, actually. So, but the view, why would the, the – I know it's a lot of eyeballs, but those people hate you. They hate people like us. Well, it's time that some of, the, some of their viewers hear a little common sense, uh, hear a little perspective, because I think most people, when they get the facts, uh, will change their mind. But a lot of people are indoctrinated. For example, you know this shooting that just took place in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, this racist guy mowed down uh, uh, three black people. Uh, Biden commented on it. Uh, DeSantis, of course, commented on it. Of course, it's horrible. The fact is that a few weeks ago uh, in Tulsa, a black guy walks up to a white man, uh, pulls out a gun, shoots him in the back of the head, kills him execution style, goes to another white man, another part of town, uh, pulls out a gun, shoots him in the back of the head execution style, admits he did it because they were white. Nobody said anything. Nobody said a word. I've never even heard about this till just now. Just now. Tr- 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 trust me, it happened. Google it. Uh, and it turns out that the truth is that most homicide is same-race homicide. Blacks who are killed are almost all, always killed by other blacks. Whites who are killed are almost always killed by other whites. But there are about 750, on average, interracial black-white or white-black homicides every year. 500 white people killed by blacks, even though blacks are just 13% of the population. 250 blacks killed by whites, even though whites are 60% of the population. And then forget about homicide. Violent interracial black-white crime roughly said about... 500 such acts each year. By that, I'm talking about attempted murder, rape, aggravated assault, stuff like that. 85 to 90 percent is the black perp and a white victim, only 10 to 15 percent the other way around. Most people don't know that. But when a white guy pops a black person, it's international news. It gives you the impression falsely that it happens all the time, when in fact it is extremely rare. Whites underrepresent when it comes to committing hate crimes. They underrepresent when it comes to committing shootings, mass shootings, uh, homicides serial killings, and blacks overrepresent yeah. in every one of those categories. I'm sorry. And the reason for it is the epidemic, as I would have said had I been on the debate stage, the epidemic of fatherlessness. That's right. Um, That's right. That's it. When I was on Charlemagne the God, I, I mentioned this, and he wasn't having it. I said, all right, explain this to me. A young white man, a young black man aged 10 to 43 is 13 times more likely to be murdered than a young white man's same demo. Blacks account for 60% of the homicides, 60% of the shootings, 60% of the robberies in America. Uh, a black man, 19 and under, the number one cause of preventable death is homicide, almost always killed by another young black man. White man, same demo, 19 and under, number one cause of preventable death uh, is accidents like drownings or car accidents right. or a drug overdose. If it isn't fatherlessness, unless you're ready to say, I told him, that blacks are just gen- genetically inclined to commit more crime, you have to ask yourself what the hell is going on. If it isn't fatherlessness, what is it? And they had nothing. No, the, the, listen, the answer is fatherlessness. There's no question about it. Some of these moms, God bless them, are working two and three jobs just to Absolutely. try to pay the bills. 
And the other ones, quite frankly, are living in drug-addled communities, and they're part of it. So it's a sad commentary, but thank God, Larry, there are real people. Charles Barkley says it all the time. He says, hey, look, before we start blaming white cops and white people, how about we take a look in the mirror? But you do realize that Tim Scott said something similar to that, and Joy Behar on The View said, you ready for this? He doesn't get it. Wait, wait a second. He's a black man living in America. You're a white millionaire Italian living in New York City, but he doesn't get it? He's going to tell you the same thing, Larry. You just don't get it. You don't get it. 70% of black kids enter the world without a father in the home, married to the mother, up from 25% back in 1965. Now 25% of white kids enter the world without a father in the home, married to the mother. And the stats are clear. When you're raised without a dad, you're five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 25 times more likely to end up in Gianna. What's happened with the welfare state, the war on poverty launched by a Democrat? I would like to thank Sid with the best of intentions. We've incentivized women to marry the government and incentivized men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. Oh, my God. The left doesn't talk about it. The left doesn't talk about it because they caused it. Our side doesn't talk about it because if you're white, they're going to call you uh, a racist. racist. And if you're black, black, you're going to call you an Uncle Tom or, as I would call, the black face of white supremacy. So nobody talks about the number one social problem in America. Oh, my God, I'm in love with you. Larry, don't take that the wrong way. I'm married to a very, very beautiful woman. I'm a very strong, tough guy, but I'm in love with you. Uh, I'm, her- I'm heterosexual, Sid. I know, but so am I. So am I. But this is, a, this is worth one night. What you just said is worth one night. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to get to the debate, though. You weren't there. And, again, I'm glad you're filing a complaint because you should have been there. You met the criteria. Somebody's got it out for you. I don't know who it is in the RNC, but it ain't right. But I did watch that debate, and i got to tell you, and I'm a Trump guy, and I love you too, but I'm a Trump guy. But I, I watched that debate to, to, to see somebody who was going to make me maybe think twice. Maybe, and, and Vivek at this point I find incredibly annoying. I mean really annoying. I was very disappointed in Tim Scott's uh, appearance. Uh, Chris Christie is nothing but a fat, envious jerk. He's nasty. And I walked away, and DeSantis just, you know, grits at the screen all night long and looks angry. I, I, no one that night said to me, uh, that, hey, you know what, I'm ready to do this. What about you? Well, well, I think the reason, top reason said they didn't want me up there is I think that the RNC did not want another sex symbol competing against Chris Christie. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, the person who won, who won that debate, thank you. I love thank that. You. I'm, here, I'm, here, I'm here all week. I'm here all week. The person who won that debate was Donald Trump. Yeah. I agree. Uh, he won the debate. You know who yeah. came in second? Joe Biden. By not showing up. You're right, Joe Biden. You know, when I ran for governor out here, I never said a single negative thing about any of my Republican uh, rivals because I knew the target was Gavin Newsom, not anybody else. Similarly, the target ought to be Biden Harris, not anybody else. And, they, and to get in that circular firing squad that they did, to me, all you're doing is giving a whole lot of video for Joe Biden to be using in the fall against whoever the nominee is. And, and likely right now, that nominee is going to be Donald Trump. Uh, that's what, uh, what I would have said if I had been, if I had been up there. And, and this lie that America remains systemically racist is getting people killed. It's called the Ferguson effect or the George Floyd effect. Cops pulling back all over the country. And as a result, there are thousands of excess casualties, including a lot of dead people who wouldn't be dead if the police were doing their normal proactive policing. And then we have an absolute meltdown of urban education K through 12. 13 public high schools in Baltimore said, I kid you not, 0% of the kids can do math at grade level. And the Democrats oppose school choice while their party elites are, are having their own kids in private school. It's outrageous. Those are the kinds of things I'm bringing to the table that nobody else is bringing to the table. Just had two cops here in New York, two of them, donating to Larry Elder needs to be up there. We need somebody speaking the truth. Just got those two just now.
So how can I help you? What can, um, other than making an appearance on this show, and, and a lot of people, a lot in New York listen to this show. So that right. in itself is a big deal. How can I help you? What can we do? Well, just have me back on. Go to my website, LarryElder.com. Throw something in the tip jar because now I have incurred an unexpected expense because I had to, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, file a complaint with the FEC because they kept me off the debate stage. So uh, anybody that can throw something in the till will really help me get some more advertising. i got to get my poll numbers up from 1% to 3%. I already have 2% in one poll, uh, and if I can get there between now and uh, two days before the debate, uh, I'll be up there. It'll be the biggest comeback since George Foreman. <laughs> yeah. So we have till September the 25th to make sure you're up there the Correct. next time around. Correct. All right, man, Correct. I, I promise you, and I swear to you that I will mention this Almost every day, because you're a great guy, great guy, and we do need to hear uh, somebody like you up on stage. So you have me in your camp. Hopefully that'll be enough. If not, get the others going. Let's get Larry Elder on stage September the 27th, my man, and good luck. Thanks so much, Sid. God bless. Uh, God bless you. God, I love that guy. Larry Elder. Do it, folks. Go to his website right now. Donate a couple of bucks. Give him something. And uh, make sure we get that guy to 3%. Did you hear what he just said? No. Did you hear now, what the, I say all the time? Right. But, of course, I get yelled at. Well, the next time you laugh at me for wanting to vote for him, remember that, this interview. What are you talking about? You laugh at me all the time at people who you say have no chance. Well, when did you want to vote for Larry Elder? And the second I heard him the last time. Is that true? Yes, I told him. See, I have no recollect, I have no memory, I I so him. you could be lying. No, I said I loved them. Well, I'm not going to make fun of you. Then. I, in fact, I apologize if it's true, which is probably not true. But I apologize now that I did that in the first place. Well, I, I take your apology right now, and I know you'll go back on it in a couple of weeks. So that's fine. <laughs> now, he is, he is refreshing. Of course he's refreshing. To your point. Yeah. But, of course, he makes too much sense. He's out. Yeah, you're and right. He can't even. Yeah. He, he met all the requirements that he couldn't. They made up some rule. Oh, you can't use a Rasmussen. Book. What is that? Why, why not? I don't know. I don't know. Why, why uh, these stupid things. I like the guy makes sense. Yeah. Just elect him. Put he him was on great. The stage. Yeah, he was great. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Ricky Gold as we get closer to the start of the NFL season. It starts Thursday night. We're all going to be at this beautiful party for cousin Brucey and John Katzenmatidis, deservedly so, with Tripriani's. But the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs will be taking on the Detroit Lions. And then, of course, two weeks from yesterday, the Giants, I'll be there, will host the Dallas Cowboys. And two weeks from tonight, we wrap up week one with Aaron Rodgers, who looked so good against the Giants on Saturday and the Jets, hosting the Buffalo Bills. We'll talk to Ricky Gold, Juice Reel, coming up next. And then the big one. We've got him twice this week. It's huge for sitting friends in the morning. The great Bill O'Reilly coming up at 840. Keep it right here, Sid, on a Monday. The angel and the dreamer Who sometimes plays a fool Don't give up on us, I know We can still come through
birthday today or no we just love Huey Lewis the news fit to be square baby you know every Monday and Friday we're going to talk to my man Ricky Gold spoke to your father Steve on Friday I told him I was very proud of him he was he loved the whole segment so and uh Ricky's with Juice Reel you guys sent me some email I got something for free I don't know what it was I got free picks or something. What did I get? Uh, you get some of our free app currency, which lets you unlock what uh, some right. of the very you have to best teach me how to do that. On. I don't know how to unlock. <laughs> you got to teach me that. I'll show you that. Yeah, because uh, I, I I love the app Juice Reel. If you don't know, football season, of course, is here. We're about uh, ten days away now from the opener, Chiefs and Lions. We are uh, thirteen days away from the Giants and Cowboys, and exactly two weeks away from the end of Week One, Jets and Bills. We did have college action this weekend. Boy, Notre Dame looked good. Notre Dame has this kid named Sam Hartman, and he was the quarterback the last four years at Wake Forest. He's in his sixth season. He's 24 years old, and he destroyed Navy. That game was 42-3. to We took Notre Dame and laid the 20 and won big. And uh, USC won big, too. They beat San Jose State. But this Saturday, you get a full docket of games. But people are really looking forward to the National Football League, and Juice Reel will help you actually become a better player. In a very monarch note version, Ricky, tell people why that's the case. You know, Juice Reel is a tool built to help you bet smarter and bet better, and we do that all through through data and analytics. Uh, you know, you connect in your betting accounts, DraftKings, Barstool, FanDuel, your bookie account, whatever, and all your bets load into our app, and we use that data to help the whole community bet smarter. Yeah. I used to have a friend, uh, he's still a friend of mine, actually, Mark Lawrence, He's got, I uh, forgot the name, it's a tout service. He's a very, very big guy, for a playbook, I think. And um, he would never, ever make picks based on personnel, based on rosters. It was all trends and angles. So he'd go to me, you know, the last six times, Dallas has beaten the Eagles five out of six times. I go, Mark, you're dating it back five years ago. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And I go, you're nuts. The Eagles are much better. And the Dallas would win like 31-17. So he was on to something. And your uh, your reel is kind of like that. You're not necessarily breaking down individual players. It's more trends and angles, right? It, it, exactly. We use the data looking at, you know, tens of thousands of people who use our product. They all After they connect in their betting accounts, we know who's a good better. We know who's a bad better. And when we look at everyone betting on a game, we can help our users follow at scale how what side the very best betters are betting on, what side the very worst betters are betting on, and look for where they're doing different things. And so you have you a pretty nice size sample, right, Ricky? Pretty yeah. nice size sample. Yeah, definitely. We actually uh, crossed a billion dollars of bets synced into our platform. Is that right? And that's all Dan Mason, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So give me. Uh, I'm on the app this weekend, and I love a whole bunch of stuff. But 
Uh, I know you, you developed this. You're one of the geniuses behind it, all kidding aside. What is your personal favorite feature of Juice Reel? That's a great question. Uh, well, thank you. You wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the, you know, I think the most useful feature, most helpful feature is probably some of that uh, best worst data analysis and some of the line shopping features. But my personal favorite is what we call our live value feature, uh, where, you know, you if, if you think about a football Sunday, it's it's one o'clock. You've got, you know, bets all across all the games, maybe some parlays even and. You know, come 3 o'clock when the games are winding down, next games are starting, and you're wondering, you know, how am I doing? What am I betting on next? I don't even know if I'm winning or losing yet. Right. Hopefully you have enough money left in your account after you take a <laughs> bath at 1 o'clock. <laughs> That's why I always recommend put some of your 4 o'clock bets in early, because if you wait till 345, so you the money may be gone. <laughs> so, so, you know, what our feature does is it shows you actually quanti- how your bets are doing, kind of like how you follow a stock. It shows you... What your bet is worth, you know, if you've got a hundred bucks on the game, it shows you, you know, with every if you're, you know, if it's worth positive seventy dollars or you know negative ten dollars, you get a first down, it's worth a little bit more. Wow. You fumble the ball, it's worth a little bit less. Wow! So it gives you like a portfolio style view of your bets. What's that called? It, we call it a live value feature. Live value feature. Okay, sixty seconds to go. Everybody knows the mush is the guy that can't win. You go back to Chaz, Palm, and Terry, my dear friend, a Bronx tail, throw mush in the bathroom. You know the whole thing. So you've got a, a new metric to assess uh, what team to bet on called Sharp Mush. What is that all about? So Sharp Mush goes back to what I was saying before. It's the difference between what the Sharps are betting on and what the Mush are betting on at scale. So, you know, it looks at those, you know, thousands of people betting on a game, wh- what percent of the very best are on Team A versus Team B, and same with the worst and looks for differences in activity between the best and worst bettors. Oh, that's another great one, too. Okay, so for folks, again, who want to take advantage of this app as they get ready, once again, 10 days away from Chiefs and Lions and a full docket of college this weekend. We got a little taste last weekend. Best way to uh, get to feel, I guess, is uh, the App Store, right? Yes, uh, it's on the app, Apple App Store, Google Play Store. It's Juice Real, Juice Like Orange Juice, Real, R-E-E-L. Uh, free app download. Couple ways you can, uh, you know, spend some money with our AI bot. Right. Unlock some picks. Like nine dollars for the picks and all that. Yeah, right? exactly. Well, it's great to see you. Great to talk to you. Looking forward to a big season. Fans are very excited. They're looking. They're hoping that they collect on Tuesday, not pay on Thursday. Okay. Exactly. All right. Good to see you, Ricky. Likewise. You got sir. nice Thank shirts you. too. You like me? You dress very nicely. <laughs> I got like, one too many buttons. Yeah, but well, uh, well, you do. You button way too many buttons. But uh, this is what happens when you go. My son Gabriel is thinking about going to Florida one day. You're a Florida Gator, of course. Quickly, how great was that school? You know, Florida, Florida. My, I'm, I'm obviously a little biased, but I think it's the best school in the country. You do. Yeah, it's you lo- you love your stay in Gainesville, right? Yes, of yeah. course. It's uh, a great school. Uh, yeah, and they're playing uh, Utah uh, this week. This, that'll be a good game. All right. Well, maybe Gabe will be uh, going where you went uh, just uh, most recently. The great Florida so. Gators. Yeah, we'll go to a game together. Ricky, thank you so much. We'll do this again on Friday. Talk Radio 77. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. I want you to rate your own performance on Wednesday night. Looking back on it now, is there anything you would have done differently? Not really, Martha. I mean, I think that you know, I answered the questions as I always do, really directly. Um, looked into the camera and spoke to the audience at home, 
and told him the truth. And, and the truth is that, you know, we can't have a convicted felon uh, as our nominee for president and expect we're going to win. Uh, and it was really the most amazing part of the debate to me was the idea that, a, you know, the majority of my competitors believe that you can have a convicted felon um, as our nominee for president and uh, that they'd support that and that he could win. Uh, I think that's an impossibility. Uh, and I think what it will mean for uh, folks across the country is four more years of Joe Biden. And for Republican primary voters, they have to think about what that will mean, potentially a packed Supreme Court, potentially the elimination of the filibuster, and a lot more. So what's at stake here is we need to nominate someone who's proven that they can beat Democratic incumbents. And I was the only one on that stage that's ever done that, and I'll beat Joe Biden if I get the nomination. Jerk Chris Christie polling at about 2%. I know he's doing okay in New Hampshire, but God, who cares if I take on Joe Biden? <laughs> I got uh, equally as good a chance as taking on Joe Biden as you do. I'm not even running. And don't call my friend a convicted felon, my friend uh, Donald Trump. He's going to be on this show Friday morning at 840. Trump back for the second time in about three months. And uh, relayed a message to his daughter-in-law, Lara, on Friday, quote, Tell number one, Sid, I love him. My next guest I really do love. He's on this show every Thursday at 840, and it is the highest-rated segment of the week of any show on this station. So to get him twice in one week is fantastic. But don't forget, we are inching closer to our big night in Huntington, Long Island, on stage together late October. And with news happening every day, why not go to this guy? Right? BillOReilly.com is as good as it gets. The interviews, the columns, the TV shows, just great. And whether it's 9 p.m. here, weeknights on WABC, or a Killing Series book, nobody says it better than Bill O'Reilly. With that said, good Monday morning, Bill. How are you, pal? You know, I'm overworked as usual. I was on vacation last week. Very nice out on eastern Long Island. Um, but now I'm back in the swing. Been listening to your program uh, to get up to speed this morning. So what Thank you. do you want to know? Well, um, let's start with uh, what Chris Christie was talking about there, which yeah. is, you know, how do the guys up on stage, these guys in and around me, how do they support a quote-unquote convicted felon who can't win? And I hear an awful lot from even Trump supporters that he'll win the primary, but he can't win. I don't know what that's based on. I think it's ridiculous. You want to explain that to me, Bill? Well, I wrote a message of the day about that exact thing, that the strategy now um, on the Democratic side and with their corporate media allies, and remember, the corporate media now is openly allied with the Democratic Party, is to um, basically demean Trump as much as possible so that if he does get the nomination, then he could get wiped out easily. But what the press ignores 
is the competition for Trump, which is in total disarray, extreme disarray. And Christie makes that mistake, too. Let me tie in Chris Christie. So Christie's saying we can't have a convicted felon run for president of the United States. What he does there is legitimize these obviously political prosecutions. He's legitimizing them. Out of all the prosecutions that Trump is facing, only one is valid, and that's Mar-a-Lago. He did take the documents, and it took him uh, far too long to cooperate with the National Archives. But tonight on the No Spin News, and you can hear that on Common Sense on Bill o, with Bill O'Reilly on WABC, I'm breaking a story that everybody ignored over the weekend. I know everybody's summertime and living is easy, but Biden's out in Lake Tahoe on vacation, or at least was last week. He was walking around in a daze, as he usually does, and some reporters said, hey, uh, did the special counsel looking into your documents, all right, set up an appointment with you? Biden looks at the reporter and goes, no. I haven't heard from him, nor should I. Media totally ignored it. Did you hear that? I did not. Okay. Nobody heard it, except me, of course. And I'm going, wait. The special counsel has been there for eight and a half months, and he hasn't contacted Joe Biden yet? What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Well, I mean, it tells you that the fix is in again. It is, and I, I did actually see the story. Now that uh, you're, now you're talking about Jay Bratt, and you're talking about Caroline Saba, who actually were at the White House. They were at the White House, uh, part of Jack Smith's team, meeting with Biden staffers. So once again, much like Biden claims, I had no idea what my son was doing. There's really no way he didn't know about this one either. So yeah, this, the fix was in. Biden's own people were meeting with Jack Smith's people, almost ensuring that Trump would be indicted for these documents. Okay, that's all true, but it, it, it doesn't come close to having a special counsel appointed. His name is Robert Herr. Yeah. In January to look into a massive amount of classified information taken out of Washington by then-Vice President Joe Biden, who had no right to do that. Mm. And in eight and a half months, her has not even contacted the president? Please. See, the I issue, mean, here's the issue, is, though. Here's the issue. It, it, the majority of the people in this country, I think it's more than 50%. Oh, we'll see, come Election Day. But I think it's more than 50% hate Trump, hate me, hate this party. And they don't watch you know, television shows on Newsmax or Fox News. They don't listen to Bill O'Reilly on WABC. They don't listen to Sid on WABC. So my question is a simple one, but it's important. How do we make Americans who have open minds, how do we make them aware of all these stories? Well, they are aware that the fix was in on Hunter Biden. So the massive amount of people in this country, they know that Hunter Biden was given a sweetheart deal, and the federal government didn't want to prosecute him for anything and were forced to. Most voters know that. And now you just layer it out. So let me circle around. It is true 
that I think a majority of Americans do not want Donald Trump to be president again. I believe that. But it's not an overwhelming majority like it would be with Chris Christie. All right? Voters don't like him. They don't like him. He's not a likable man. All right? So he's not going to win. Basically, on that, Pence isn't going to win because Pence is too stern. All right? What I said to Pence is people last week is, look, I, I, we all got the uh, Jesus is your Lord and Savior. We, we have it. Okay? We have it for eight years for pets. So rather than take up verbal time when you're debating, just hold up a picture of Jesus on the stage <laughs> yeah. once in a while. Ah, you're right. right. That would be a good yeah, idea. Just, yeah. let's, let's do it more efficiently. Yeah. Whenever you feel the need or whenever you get a divine inspiration, just hold up a picture of Jesus. That's it. Everybody knows. Okay. Yeah. So Pence isn't going to win. Uh, Christie's not going to win. Trump will probably, unless there's unforeseen, and this drives me crazy because it is all about unforeseen circumstances in the next six months. A big, big time on Biden, by the way. So then you, you go into, well, who's Trump going to run against? Who's he going to run against? If Biden somehow stumbles in to the democratic convention next summer i will be i'll be stunned yeah the man the man is everyone knows he's impaired it's over it's over right yeah. and and they're gonna get him on the bribery stuff it, and here's and i'll give wabc listeners uh, a bit of a, a preview here this is what's percolating in the house committees it doesn't look like there's any evidence to show that Joe Biden got cash from his son and brother and Devin Archer, the three that put together all of these shell corporations. But all his expenses and Jill's expenses, not all, but many were paid by those corporations. You mean like mortgage payments, car payments, no, stuff like that? No, no, no. Home improvements. Okay. Insurance. Okay. Anointing stuff that, that drain regular Americans, because we have bills to pay to keep functioning, the corporations took care of them. And you're sure there was no cash? No, I'm not sure. Okay. I am absolutely not sure. This is what's percolating. Gotcha. Well, well, that may may be, uh, that's why you can explain that with all these bank documents that Jim Colmer and Jim Jordan and all these folks continue to talk about it even show, we are yet to see a cash transaction, because you may be right, they may have done it in a different way. Yeah. I mean, having Joe Biden take cash and put it in his pocket, I don't think they're going to be able to prove that. Yeah. But all of these corporations, and there are just tons of them, they have expenses. Corporations pay expenses. All right? So they just put this in this file, that in that file. And that's what they're trying, they being the House Republicans on the committee, yeah. to link in, to link Biden in. Well, I can tell you this. Trump woke up this morning, and the first thing he talked about on his social media, uh, Truth Social, was the Biden case. And he said to the House GOP members, this is just this morning, to your point, Bill, he said, get this done. Get this impeachment yeah, inquiry done. And he made it sound like, and Trump, he means it, he made it sound like if you don't get it done, 
then you're going to pay the price somewhere down the road. He said, I think, I think the exact quote was, you will disappear into oblivion. If that sounds like a threat, it was. Well, look, I, whatever Trump says on any given day, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on unless it's policy. All right. But my, my point and the most important point in this discussion is that, yes, most Americans would rather have someone else with an untainted record who's looking out for them as president. But when if Trump gets the nomination and he's up against Kamala or please, Newsom, please. he'll beat them both. He'll kill beat him. them both. He'll kill him. Yeah. Now, I no, he won't kill him. No, them. you're right. He won't kill him. You're right. You're right. He'll beat, he'll beat them both. And if Biden comes off the stage, which is, I think, better than 50-50 at this point, all right, so then Trump puts himself in a position and the corporate media panics. Um, I want to segue into uh, this uh, migrant situation. Yeah. Uh, are are you aware, Bill, that, uh, you know, of course, I, I rail on protesters yeah. every day that I actually a- appeared at two last week, very unsid Rosenberg-like in Brooklyn. No, I know you appeared there, and you had a big line of people asking you at those rallies how you get so tan. That's true. That's the first yeah. thing WPIX asked me. <laughs> other than protesting the migrant thing, they want to know how shit gets so tan. That's right. Anyway, um, this is ties right into the show that Rosenberg and O'Reilly are doing uh, on October 26th at the Paramount Theater in Huntington. 27th. 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 I'm right. sorry. Yeah. Uh, September 26th is when Killing the Witches comes out, so I'm old and I can't. The 27th <laughs> Friday. But anyway, we'd like you to, you know, if you want to come, you got to move it now. But this is called Conflict Resolution. In that show, A New York State of Mind is the name of the show. We in the New York City area resolve conflicts differently than everyone else in the country, all right? And, and we're going to get into that in a funny way. It's not going to be a serious – it's going to be serious points, but they're going to be made in a funny way. So this migrant situation is the classic conflict in New York. Here you have a situation that's out of control because of one man. That's Joe Biden. Biden failure to enforce immigration law has led to 7 million people coming to the United States who should not be here. And a significant portion of those people are coming to New York. The people that enable Joe Biden are named Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams. 100%. They were the biggest Biden enablers in New York. And now... They're getting it right between the eyes because they enabled an incompetent person who has now wreaked destruction on this entire area. They're getting it right between the eyes, but that didn't stop Mayor Eric Adams from going to Tel Aviv and the Hamptons all last week. Hey, look, if you <laughs> were in Adams's situation, you'd move to Tel Aviv. <laughs> okay? Because this man cannot stop this. He can't. He doesn't have the power to do it. He doesn't have any money left. He knows it's a disaster. Anybody would in his position. And Hochul has turned on him. So Hochul's now saying, you're not moving these people out of New York City. 
Nobody, no other county in New York's taken them. So Hochul threw Adams literally under the migrant bus. But let me ask you something. So Adams, well, let me ask you, a couple of months ago, they tried to send them to Rockland County. And the guy up in Rockland, happening. yeah, a guy up in Rockland County named Ed Day said, over my dead body. In fact, he threatened the mayor physically. And while that sounds awful, guess what? Not one migrant has gone to Rockland County. Why wouldn't the rest of these counties take a page out of Ed Day's book? Well, they don't have to do what Ed did. They can just file a lawsuit against New York City. Yeah. Okay, I mean, and, and that will bankrupt the city even further. That's why Hochul knows that Hochul is finished. I, you know, this is, and going back just a year ago, if Lee Zeldin were governor, he would be crucifying Joe Biden. It's Biden's fault. Right, saying his name, not just not just saying these two words. They love to say these two words, Hochul and Adams, federal government, because when they do that, Bill, I know you know this, when they say federal government, that leaves them open room to also criticize Republicans for the lack of immigration reform, which has nothing to do with this. Oh, nothing. It's a bunch of, that's the biggest bunch of garbage in the world, because Trump, in his last year, had the Remain in Mexico policy that cut this thing down 90%. That's right. I mean, that's all you got to say is, what do you mean? But the, the cowardice on the part of the Democratic structure in New York. So how do you resolve the problem? You don't resolve it. So Adams and Hochul made a deal with the devil, Biden, and now the devil is coming for his due. It's it, that's what's happening. So, at our show, I'm I'm going to expand this into the personal realm. Is this, everybody has stuff like this that befalls them? All right, I, I've got it. Just, I mean, I, you know that Danielle and I, you know, for, dreamed about moving to where we live now for 31 years. We dreamed about it. Danielle's been going there since she's two years old. We get this beautiful home. We've worked on it. Did all this great work. And uh, this Floyd Bennett Field is three miles from my house. And while I don't blame the migrants, I don't want them there. Bottom yeah, line. That's an important, that's important point. Not the migrants, um, but there is an element of that crew. Out of 7 million, you got 10% of going to be criminals. That's the population breakdown everywhere. That's 700,000 people. I don't care if it's 70. There were two women that were raped in Buffalo last week for migrants. So if 3,000 guys show up at, at Floyd Bennett Field and only one of the 3,000 jumps out of a bush at 430 in the morning and attacks my wife, that doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. No, and, and but I want New Yorkers to demonstrate, but peacefully. I mean, yes. don't give the cops a hard time. Right. Because it's not the police that, you know, every time the police have to arrest somebody or put them on the ground, then a, a cop can throw out his back or, you know, bad things can happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm serious, though. Yeah. I'm serious. You know, a, a cop can get hurt yeah. doing yeah. that kind of stuff and yeah. unintended consequences. I understand what Curtis is doing. He wants to bring attention to the Well, I wanted, to, I, I, want, I wanted to ask you about that. It's important because I've gotten very close with Curtis. I did appear at two rallies with Curtis in Brooklyn last week. But, you know, you and I are also extremely close do you think Curtis is doing the right thing? He does not. By the way, he does not encourage violence. He doesn't. Do you think he's doing the right thing? Yes. Because Good. there's got to be a leader. And, you know, in, in an area with 16 million people, um, most of whom sympathize with, with the position that this is insane, 
that we don't have any money anyway here, and the taxes are the highest in the nation, and now we're putting billions of dollars out on people who shouldn't be here. But the cowardness of the Democratic machine in New York, which dominates, I mean, they should be killing Biden, yep. killing him. Yep. Because tomorrow Biden can write an executive order that stops all asylum claims for six months. And close the border. Oh, he could write that order. And close the border. Well, that's a little harder. Yeah. But he can write the order saying we have so much chaos and so much, so many problems locally that we're not going to take asylum claims for six months. Right. He can write that order tomorrow. Yep. Okay? You want Adams and Hochul to come out and say that. Will they? No. Never. Because they're cowards. And now they're getting, that's what cowards get. If you don't stand up, and this is the best example in history of the German people in the 1930s, most of whom knew what Hitler was, and they wouldn't stand up because they were afraid. True. So that's what you get. This is, you know, I, I don't like to use the Nazi uh, comparison, but it's the most vivid. You've got to stand up against injustice and to flood New York City with hundreds of thousands of people who shouldn't be here when we don't have the facilities to care for those people is, is not humane. All right. This is this is an atrocity. But you will not get the politicians to demand that Biden sign an executive order or at least attempt to put an end to the madness. God, I'm so Nothing happy. Happened. I'm so happy Nothing you came on. Happened. So happy. I'm so happy you came on today. I, I don't know how I can get you on every day. <laughs> I know you're past that point, believe me, in your career, but this was such an important and great conversation, and every point you made, as always, was right on the money. So I, I, I want to thank you for coming on again today. We'll do it again sure. on Thursday. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Yeah, and we want to see everybody out, because every, you'll never forget the uh, state, New York State of Mind show on the 27th of October. Sorry, I made a mistake. You go to BillOReilly.com, Ticketmaster, Paramount Theater in Huntington. I'll set you right up. And uh, this show will be sold out very shortly. Bill, you're the best. You really are. I love you. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank okay, you. Okay, We'll talk Thursday. Can't wait. Bye. There he is, the great Bill O'Reilly. Take heed. October 27th, the Paramount Theater, Huntington, Long Island. Go to BillOReilly.com. Ticketmaster or the Paramount Theater. Get your tickets now. Fourth and final hour. Joyce, he's stopping by. Joyce Kaufman. Keep it right here. To occupy my time. This one goes out to the one I love. Fire! Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC.
9.13 on your Monday morning. Back on Sid and Friends in the morning. A reminder, I will not be here tomorrow. Wednesday, 50-50. I don't know. But it's a big week because Trump will be here 8.40 on Friday. You guys have any idea who's doing the show tomorrow? I, mean, I imagine John. John does a really good job when I'm not here. Sometimes John and Curtis or John and Dominic or whatever. John and somebody. Yeah, I got I got nothing. You have no idea? I got no idea. I think. Well, that's tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. I don't know. And uh, I don't take any time off, so I'm not going to feel badly about it. I, you know, you know, the only reason I do feel badly about it is is because I get great ratings, and I and I hate to mess with that. But you know, John comes in and does a good job, so it's okay. Yeah, you but can. I get you know I, I'm always worried that if I take too much time off, then the ratings are going to dip, and and I don't want that to happen. But I'm I'm not a machine. I'm just human. I'm tired, and I got other stuff to do. So right. I took no time off this summer. None. I, I, Hey, I was here for it all. I mean, ridiculous. Yeah. I used to take off four weeks during the summer. Bernard, too. Mm-hmm. Bernard used to take off five. Yeah. I think I took off two days July 4th. Mm-hmm. I think I was sick one day. I don't even know. Well, you shouldn't feel bad. You no, know? I don't feel bad. No, it's ridiculous. It's actually, came, it's actually ridiculous. You came in and tried, and your voice that was That Friday, that's right. right. Very good. Very good, Lewis. That was the day of the... Um, Talkers Magazine convention. I remember that day. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I tried that body. actually started the show. It was horrible. I I can't do it. We played a a Donald Trump interview, and then uh, Curtis Lewa came in. But I've never seen anybody who's got um, the popularity that I have. I'm being serious. I'm being a dick. Popularity I have in in New York take this little time off, ever. And the reason why is because they make me feel guilty. (laughs) (laughs) They don't. They're like, what do you mean you're taking off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about this? What about that? I'm like, stop. Yeah. My yeah. God. I worked at the fair. I never, from, I'm telling you, from June to September, I never saw Francesa. Never saw him. No, he took a lot of time. Never saw him. No. Russo, I miss, I got uh, four weeks at the ranch. I, it was, yeah. You know, you get to a certain point in your career when you become number one or whatever the hell I am. I don't even know what I am. Who knows? It doesn't matter. I'm number one. That, you know, you, you're supposed to have this time and enjoy, you know, take some time off. Whatever I've got to do. We, shooting a movie, whatever it is. As a crew, we don't take a lot of time off at all. No, you guys, it, it's we need to. It, you guys need to take some, a little. Well, now it's too late. Yeah. Because once we get past Labor Day, then it's all over. I gotta come out. I'm coming in on Labor Day. You're working on Labor Day. Yeah. Oh my God, that's very amateurish. Why are you doing that? I don't want you to do that. I was. I don't. I, Who I told you you have to do it, Meanie? Don't worry about it. You don't need to get involved. Well, he can. I take, am worried about it. Nobody did, would. You, you work on Labor Day. It's it's. it's <laughs> I mean, doesn't matter. Kids, me, I'm, I'm taking the Friday, uh, that Friday off, so I'm going to still get a three-day weekend. Well, it doesn't matter. You take a lot of time off anyway. What are you talking about? You're going to Israel next month. You went to like uh, Nantucket my, or is something. Is it a crime to use my PTO? No, I, I don't even know what that means. Pay time off. You take up more time than I do. I get, a, I get amount of PTO that I that I use I don't know what before that means. the end of the year. So do I, get, I have I that too? This, no, you're uh, you're different. Oh, because you're famous. <laughs> okay, right. so I get screwed. Yeah, but I don't okay. take sick days. I don't take. I, I no, you never. No, you've never been sick in the years I've known you. No. Never. I've got a great immune system. Thank God for that. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Somehow, God knows how you have that immune system. I don't know. Yeah. It's not like you take care Jesus. of yourself. No, I don't. Not at all. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, Justin's Justin's uh, personal life is a bit exaggerated. Because I have to tell you, to be honest, when I was out there doing my thing, okay, you couldn't reach me on a Saturday or a Sunday morning. I wasn't even home half the time. And whenever I call Justin early, even on the weekend, he's there. Picks up. Doesn't even sound bad, so I think it's a bit exaggerated. The the rock style Justin Ellick. <laughs> That's whatever you want it to be, baby. Yeah, I don't think it's that bad. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Noam Layden used to be. 
you know, performing oral for guys uh, in Hoboken. <laughs> It's not that far from the truth, <laughs> he is it? He didn't protest. He, left. he, just, he just left. Yeah, he doesn't go, well, no, don't say that about me. He didn't say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He just laughs. Are you kidding? He's like, how do you know? He'd be at the Bull and Bear at 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning. <laughs> just laughed. Just continue. <laughs> well, he does know that place. You know, he used to like that place, too. No one was, uh, Audie Lang was there quite a bit. You're kidding. Yeah, I swear. That was one of his, his uh, hangouts. I never ran into him. You know that place. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I imagine you partied on all those Washington Ave bars, right? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There was a time, yeah, it was right. Well, they lived there, you know, uh, uh, down the block from there. Actually, Lisa Orban lived there too. It became funny with Lisa back at WNEW, her and Johnny Hard Rocks. But Eli Manning, I think, and Artie Lang lived in the same building. I no, I actually lived in the same building as Artie. But, oh, you did. But, but Eli? Eli, Eli Manning lived in a different building. But he was there, like uh, uh, he was like a block away. away right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I remember one time there was a there was a rainstorm and Eli's building got flooded, but yours didn't. Yes, and in I fact, <laughs> my kids would uh, go and trick or treat at Eli Manning's apartment. No that was like a huge deal because he would answer the door. No, he wouldn't. Yeah. And he, was he not really cool? Was, oh, such a nice He's guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. He really is a great guy. Oh, So he would actually answer the he door would. on Halloween. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Because he knew that's what the kids wanted. They yeah. wanted to see him. So did he, like, give autographs or trading cards? or No, he gave candy out. But could you take a picture with him? Was I, that that's yeah, too much, right? I don't remember. I, yeah. But probably, cool. yeah. Are you going to the uh, Giant Cowboy game? I am. Oh, you are going? Yeah. You're taking Gabriel? Uh, I know he's at school, but oh, okay. I may take my younger one, Jeremy. So that, um, where you know where you're sitting yet? I do. I don't remember. Where'd you get your seat from? You know, somebody God, gave me tickets. Like oh, <laughs> Tom Cuddy, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my ah, Big Tom came up big for you. Oh, good. I'll see you at the game then yeah, that night. Yeah, we'll hang out. You have on-field tickets, too? No. Uh, it sucks not to be famous <laughs> like me. Yeah, I'll be on the field. Um, but seriously, I do want to see you that night. I've never met Jeremy, so that'll be fun. Yeah. All right, Giants and Cowboys, baby, right there. Uh, what is this uh, Joy Reid stuff? I love her. She said at MSNBC Friday that Trump mugshot is a sinister apparition to her. This is this is one of, seriously one of the sickest people God ever created. Just a raging racist moron who, for some reason, occupies decent real estate at MSNBC. Well, for some reason, at MSNBC, and is allowed to talk. Allowed to talk. And then, to make it doubly worse, we play it the next day. So we're as guilty as she is. How stupid are we? Joy Reid, cut number 10. He's sort of the avatar for the rage that he has traded off of to become president in the first place. It is That is not the, you know, sort of funny reality show star that Americans elected in 2016. That's a, that is a sinister apparition that I'm seeing in front of me. There's one more from Joy Reid. She says that uh, she was offended that Bragg didn't do it, and she called this amateur DA in Georgia, this criminal fanny, a hero. Joy Reid, cut number 11. To me, this is justice. The fact that Manhattan didn't give him a mugshot I thought was offensive. I thought that the Fed said, we already know what he looks like. He was the president of the United States. Okay, offensive. Everyone else had to take him. This case, and I think Fonnie Willis is a hero. She is a national I think you're a moron. Shut up. Shut up. I think you're an idiot. That's what I think. I think you're both racist, both of you. You're both racist. You and uh, Fannie Willis. And not because you're both African-American. It has nothing to do with that. But you're both hateful racists. And I know, I think Phil Griffin 
hired Joy Reid? Oh, I think so. I mean, I know you love Phil. But I may be wrong about that, Lou. It may have been the person afterwards. But whoever is there now, maybe they're scared to can her because she's black. I don't know. You know how it is today. But whoever is okay with her being on the air right now, that person will end up just like Jeff Zucker, just like Chris Lick, just like Phil Griffin, and the rest of the losers that put people on the air because they spew racist garbage. So if you missed it, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers on the center for the first time for the New York football Jets in a preseason matchup against the Giants. The last preseason game before both teams start week one. Week one for the Giants, two weeks from yesterday. I'll be there Sunday night, so we'll know them. Giants and division rival Dallas Cowboys. The Jets, two weeks from tonight. They'll be taking on the Buffalo Bills. But there was Rodgers behind center on Saturday night for the first time this preseason. And, boy, did he look good. Take a listen to this. First and ten for the Giant 14. Rodgers with the fade for Wilson in the touchdown. To my point, he threw an absolute dart. That's Bob Papa and Carl Banks. They're the voice of the Giants, actually, courtesy of WFAN. Carl Banks saying he threw an absolute dart. And I told Gabriel this, my son. I said, Aaron Rodgers to Garrett Wilson is going to be epic this year. This conversation brought to you by Dr. Arthur Turovitz and NJ Diet. Lose 20 to 40-plus pounds contractually guaranteed in just 40 days. Just go to njdiet.com or call 855-5NJ-DIET. That's 855-5NJ-DIET. Justin, I know that you saw some of the preseason action. I know you're an Eagles fan. They represented the NFC in the Super Bowl last year. Mm. Anything going into this season that you're looking forward to or... No, but Maybe I mean, a team. that's a big topic of discussion. A lot of these quarterback and wide receiver duos are uh, are young and they're and they're up and coming. Well, give so, me a couple. You've got uh, well, Rodgers is not young, but uh, certainly Garrett Wilson right, is. Right, exactly. You got uh, the Hurts and uh, AJ Brown with your team. Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, and you've got Burrow and Jamar Chase out. That's in, a big one. In, uh, they're young. Yeah, that's and a good uh, one. what's the one? Um, See, Mahomes' go-to guy is is Kelsey. Yeah. He's a tight end, not a wide receiver. Yeah, but he's so good that I guess you can even really loop him into that group. And you got the Rams. You got, and they're both healthy this year. Stafford and uh, Cooper Cup, exactly. who's on Gabe's team, and Aaron Donald healthy too. That's right. a good one. And then another young old combination: right, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson out in Minnesota. That's, that's a big one because of Jefferson. Exactly. Yes, exactly. that's a huge one. They're all over the place. Allen Diggs, you know, I mean, that's a huge one as well. And then uh, Trevor Lawrence has got a, a good weapon out in. Um, in Jacksonville. And you got uh, Prescott, too, to uh, C.D. Lamb. That's yeah. a pretty good one. Well, not in my eyes, but yes. You don't think it's, well, I know you're an Eagle fan, but yeah. I'm a Giant fan. I can admit that. That's a pretty good one. Well, because mostly of C.D. Lamb, in my opinion. Well, you no, he's, no, there's yeah. no question about it. He's right. a very good player. Right, but he's carrying most of the weight in that duo, I would say. You're going to give it to him. Yeah. Okay, either way, football is right around the corner. Thank God. Two weeks from tonight, 9-11. And I got to talk about Jets and Bills, but two weeks from today, will be 22 years since the most tragic day. And I know Pearl Harbor was right there, but way before my uh, my childhood, the most tragic day in the history of this country. I can remember every second of it like yesterday from watching the Giants and Broncos the night before to arriving at the WFAN studios the next morning on a beautiful, sunny, 75-degree blue-sky day to walking into the studios and actually discussing. We were in the middle of discussing the Giants game 
How unimportant was that? It was me, Don Imus, and Charles McCord talking about the Giants. And Imus calling my father a psycho for showing up at Giant Stadium wearing Giant uniforms. And then the first plane hit. And I remember Bernard was on the street that day. It was a primary day for mayor. Mark Chernoff was in the studios. And we all thought, much like Corey Lytle, a former Yankee pitcher, that some private plane hit the World Trade Center. And then we know what happened. And it was just a remarkable time. Together and I lived on 21st and 8th in Chelsea. And the smoke was billowing into our windows. My eyes were bright red for six weeks. And they told me not to come to work anymore. They said, we can't talk sports. We're just going to do I miss all day and some Mike and the Mad Dog stay home. And I did. And I made a sign and I walked to the West Side Highway and I cheered on our cops our firemen, and our first responders every day in the hopes they were going to find bodies. And they found none. 22 years ago, coming up two weeks from today, and we cap it off with the Jets and the Bills. Joyce Kaupman coming up next. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. We need you to win this. Not a bigger supporter than me right here. And there's a lot of folks in New York City, President Trump, that love you still. I walk by your your place of residence on Fifth Avenue almost every day, see your name all over the city. I know you live in South Florida, but you'll always be a great New Yorker to a lot of us here. So continued success. Please come back again because I want to help you get back to where you belong, Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, I appreciate it. And you are number one, and you're a great guy and a great friend. And just take care of yourself, and we'll speak to you again soon. Well, that's a man of his word right there when Donald Trump on May 11th says, I'll speak to you again very soon. He meant it because this, of course, is Trump week on Sid and Friends in the morning. The president will be back with me coming up this Friday at 840. President Trump on with me coming up. This Friday at 8.40, and he did, um, you know, Lara Trump, his daughter-in-law, sent me a text. We got close. Sent me a text on Saturday, and she said, my father-in-law is looking forward to coming back on. I go, how do you know? She said, he told me last night. He said to tell Sid I love him. Number one said he calls me. So Trump will be here coming up at 8.40. I go back and often think about how I got here. <laughs> not a uh, Not a conventional road to get where I've gotten in my career and enjoying all this great success. But there's a lot of people I have to thank along the way. Maybe not a lot. It may even be a short list. But certainly the people down in Florida that made this possible. Steve Lapa, one of those guys, two guys who worked with me every day, Steve Zemak and Eric Lengel. But Joyce Kaufman. Joyce was uh, great to me. She loves sports, and she'd come in my show and talk about the Knicks. And But she'd invite me on her show, 850 WFTL down in Fort Lauderdale, and allowed me to spew about politics and started to occur to me that maybe I should do some more of this. In fact, there was a debate down there at Lynn University in Boca Raton between Romney and Obama, and I got involved and did a show live that night on Joyce's station. Needless to say, as the years moved on, we became closer, and she continued to allow me to do this, and I believe she is a major part of the reason why I'm in New York the last six-plus years going on seven 
here she is, in my opinion, far and away the best, the best talk show host in South Florida, Joyce Kaufman. Joyce, good morning. How are you, sweetie? I'm doing good, and I had nothing to do with it, folks. It was sheer talent that took him to where he is today. Uh, I just happened to be one of the few people who could see past all the bluster to the talent. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. You, you, you. you did. You did. You were always very, very kind to me, and, and they said just, you know, stay out of your way and stop doing stupid stuff, and you'll get there one day, and turns out uh, you were right. You know, it's interesting because you, you loved Trump from day one. You remember I didn't. I actually – Used to fight with Bernard the first year I was here, day in and day out. I didn't like him. I liked Hillary. I didn't like Hillary. That's wrong. I, I dis, I, li- I liked her. I liked him less, I guess. But it didn't take me very long once he wanted to come around and figure out how great he was. But you were with Donald Trump from the very, very beginning, and now you're still there. Oh, I am so there. And it's the same thing as why I was with you from the very beginning, because there's nothing I like better than a guy who knows who he is and will stand on his principle even when it's uncomfortable. You did that, and Donald Trump does that every single day. I will go to jail with Donald Trump <laughs> if that's what it takes to see him elected. Well, what do you think? I mean, I have to say that, and thank you for that, I have to say that I'm, I'm surprised about DeSantis. You know, uh, all you folks who live in Florida, you're a dear friend. I've got other dear friends. I've got family, and they love him. They swore by him. And it is pretty much conventional wisdom at this point that he's run a relatively terrible campaign. Now, some of that is unfair to him. It's because Trump is just larger than life, and he's going to drown out everybody. But some of that does fall on DeSantis. Are you surprised that his campaign has been this lackluster? No, and I took a very unhealthy position for my radio program when I said I would not support Ron DeSantis because he wasn't ready. And people said, well, what's ready? I said, ready is on day one. You've got to go in there, and you've got to turn that swamp on its ear. And I don't think Ron has – Well, but let me stop you for a second. And you turned out to be right, and you're very prescient and very smart. But what made you think when Donald Trump came down the escalator in 2015 that he was ready? Because there was no question in my mind that he was a man who didn't take no for an answer and that it wouldn't take him very long to become a savvy politician. I mean, obviously, an outsider was very appealing to me, but I knew that a man of his intellect, and I I think people cut him, you know, no slack at all and don't think he's bright because he talks like we talk, but in (laughs) fact, he's brilliant, and, and he knows way more about the world and how it operates than anybody I'd seen come along, including Ronald Reagan. Because I still maintain that Donald Trump was the best president in my lifetime. Wow. Probably be the best all-time president because he he combines the desire to see this country do well with an insatiable appetite for victory. He wants to win at everything he does, and he and that's the American way. See, I also have those two guys, and if God is good to me, I'll be 57, and April Joyce Kalp, and those are my two guys, too. But it's kind of like the sports argument. People say to me, was it easy? I said, yes. The reason why I'm successful here is because it's the same thing as sports. So we'll argue on sports. Well, who was better, Joe Montana or Roger Storback? Well, who's better, Reagan or Trump? It's really the same thing, in essence. Now, I have Reagan ahead of Trump only because Reagan served two terms. Again, a very sports-like argument. You don't consider that? Important? No, because Donald Trump will serve two terms as well if I have my way. So 
then they'll be even on that score. (laughs) So you're right about DeSantis. And, you know, I I watched, I was one of the 13 million, pretty decent number, actually, that watched that uh, abortion last Wednesday. Oh, oh my God. Well, I'm sorry to say that, but it is what it is. Chris Christie, and and I don't know about you, but I've had enough of Vivek smiling and his Israel policy. My God, enough of him. And and, and I came away with, you know what? I I didn't think anybody before was really uh, equal to the task. Now I'm really sure of it. What'd you see? Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw the same thing. I mean, I can never get back that two hours of my life. <laughs> um, so what I've done is I've watched the Tucker interview four times to try to just, you know, clear up my uh, my insides. Well, was it that? Was was that interview? Was it more about Trump? Because you love Trump, or was Tucker that good? No, Trump was that good, and Tucker was pretty weak, actually. Like I would have asked some harder questions. You can ask Donald anything. And Tucker was like pussyfooting around with him, and I didn't get that at okay, all. Okay, give me but. an example then. If you were sitting here on Friday and not me at 840 and Trump is coming on, and you, I, I believe you because I've heard you do interviews and you're not afraid, what would you ask Trump that Tucker didn't? Well, I would have said first and foremost, uh, do you admit now that you were totally remiss in many of the choices in your first administration? And who are you looking at for this next administration? Because you can't afford to have these same same swamp creatures that stabbed you in the back. And it's going to start with your vice presidential pick. I would have said to him, who are you going to choose? And he may have, you know, brushed it off. But that's the question. Who are you going to choose? Because that person is going to be in position to win a next election if Trump does as well as I believe he will. And it's going to be important who he chooses. I agree. And uh, I've had these conversations a lot, Joyce, the last couple of weeks. And uh, because I want him to win so badly, I know that he's still not polling great with suburban housewives. So I don't know what Vivek or Tim Scott does for that. So uh, I just recommended to his daughter-in-law, Lara, just on this show on Friday, take a good look at Nancy Mace. Take a good look at Tulsi Gabbard. Take a good look at Christy Noem. I know Carrie Lake is a bit much, but if I'm Trump, I'm leaning towards a woman to grab some of those suburban housewife votes. What about you? I don't think he's going to lose the suburban housewife votes because, look, all they have to do is point out how they came after our kids And those suburban housewives were the first ones to notice. They showed up at the school board meetings, Democrats and Republican housewives, and they said, cut this crap. We don't want critical race theory. We don't want this gender dysphoria accolades for everybody who doesn't know what their pronouns are. And those women may not want to admit that they're going to vote for Trump, but it's just like 2016. There's this soft undercurrent of people who will never say out loud, I'm going to vote for Trump. But when they walk in that booth and they think about what the Democrats have done to their children, they will pull the lever for Trump. That's my expectation. This is the great Joyce Kaufman, 850 WFTL down in Florida. You know, I was uh, talking last week. I've been doing this for 25 years, it doesn't feel that way to me. Uh, you've been doing it now for 33, right? That's a long time, Joycey. Yeah, it's a way long time, and it just goes to show you that every year that I think I'm going to retire, something happens that <laughs> makes me understand that like voices like ours are super important. And it's not really that hard to talk into a microphone. Some people pay a psychiatrist to rant and rave the way we do. True. And we get paid big bucks to do it. I know. No, I know. Listen, I'm trust me. I, I, you know, you're not, you're not going anywhere yet. Exactly. I'm glad to hear that. And you shouldn't because uh, there's actually a dearth 
of folks like you down in South Florida. Uh, we need you. We need you down there. You are far and away the best voice in that market. Um, I would ask about the Democrats. Uh, he's going to win the Republican nomination, Trump. There's no doubt about it. We're wasting our time even talking about these other candidates outside of his VP choice. You're right about that. And maybe a guy like Tim Scott ends up somewhere in his administration. Uh, most people I speak to, very, very smart people on this show, say Biden will not be the guy. Can't do it. Uh, first of all, he's not going to be healthy enough. And second of all, this bribery stuff, it's going to get him. They're going to get him. The House Republicans are going to get him. Do you agree? I do agree. And I think the interesting uh, occurrence this weekend was Bernie going up to Iowa and out to New Hampshire. If Bernie jumps back into this race, they're going to have to give him the nomination. There's no question in my mind. And even though he's another old guy, boy, would that be an easy victory for Donald Trump. So I'm just crossing my fingers. Gavin Newsom's not ready. They're not going to put him in there. Nobody knows him outside of California and New York. And if they get to know him, they're going to hate him. So it, 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 Bernie's the biggest threat right now for, you know, the Democrats, because uh, he's, he's coming on again. He wants to be the mm. candidate. Funny, too, mm. because he was just talking this weekend, Bernie Sanders, about how he's not concerned with Joe Biden's age. And he would say that because he's older. <laughs> right, right. And he started making the move, you know, when they start going to these primary, early primary states. You got to watch carefully. It tells you that some donors have gotten behind him already, and I don't doubt that. They got to get away from Biden. He's a losing proposition, and and word salad to Harris ain't no better. Do you think? Uh, I ask everybody this question. It's annoying at this point, but obligatory. Do you think the Democrats completely panic when they realize it ain't going to be Biden? And you laid out the rest of the field perfectly, and they're able to convince Michelle Obama to run for president. Look, that keeps me up at night. Me too. <laughs> sure, it keeps you up at yep. night as well. Yep. But my my concern my concern is that even though we have anointed her and said that she could win any election, I don't know that the numbers bear that out. The Democrats are still misogynists, whether they pretend that the most uh, you know embracing people on earth, they didn't vote for Hillary, and she was the the anointed one at the time. How many people told you there's no chance that Donald Trump can win against Hillary Clinton? So when people like me worry about Michelle Obama, I'm going to tell them the same thing. You know, they said that Donald Trump couldn't beat Hillary, who was a lifetime politician, wife of the best known and most beloved president in my lifetime. And you're telling me you think Michelle Obama, whose husband was not that well loved, is going to win? I'm not so sure. Last one. Has the presidential run soured for you? Ron DeSantis is even governor, no, governor of state, because everybody agreed he was a great governor, uh, a lousy presidential uh, candidate. Has this run soured even some of his Florida work for you? You live there. Nah, he was a great governor. I will respect him always, the best governor in my 45 years here in Florida. He takes the number one position. Uh, I don't think his political future looks very bright. Because being a loser in this manner is not good for anybody's political future. But I will tell you this, he was booed mightily when he went up to Jacksonville over the shooting. And if he doesn't perform well during this hurricane that's about to hit the West Coast, he will be toast even as governor. So we'll see. Politics is like a fast-moving train. You know that. We don't know today what it's going to look like tomorrow. We know this. One guy needs to win. That we know. Yeah. Today, tomorrow, next week. And uh, that's uh, your friend, my friend, 
Donald Trump. It is great to catch up with you. I love you dearly, Joyce Kaufman. Thank you for the kind text and the great appearance this morning. We'll do it again very soon. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joycey. Uh, thank you. Bye, sir. You're welcome. Joyce Kaufman right there, WFTL 850 in South Florida. She great. She great. And she loves Walt Frazier. Loves him. She was a big Nick fan. She lived here, you know. And 45 years ago, she left New York. She was uh, one of the early leavers. Went to South Florida and uh, has never looked back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. In excess, love this song. That last conversation, Sid and Joyce Kaufman, brought to you by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. They do build the world's best boilers. Check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. Do yourself a favor, cold weather right around the corner. How do I know? I'm going to a giant game in two weeks. So I would call Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Get rid of that beast in your basement. Get yourself a new boiler today. I um I like to hear myself on the Giant Games doing those commercials on the fan. It's kind of fun, you know. Yeah, why wouldn't it be? It's kind of cool. Yeah. I do, uh, for Pete, I do the Giants in New York. I do the Rangers on some competing station. I do the Patriots, believe it or not. I do the Bruins, believe it or not, because it's a station up in New England. And what else do I do? It's the Giants, the Rangers, the Pats, the Bruins, I think I'm missing one, but I cut these uh, spots, and and the person that really bothers is Bob Gelb, which I love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bob Gelb is involved in this, not well because I guess uh, Gelb is Pete's sales guy at the fan. Oh, I see. Got it. You okay. Know. Okay. And uh, for a little while there, I was just taking all of Gelb's clients here. You know, Joseph Abood, I took him here. Well, you know, Pete, I take too. most of Pete's money here. They spend more on me than they do on Boomer and those people. And, uh, in fact, and I love Bob Gelb. I love him. I love, and I love his son, Zach, too. And Lori, too. They're, they're a great, great family. But I remember one day they invited me to a Met game in the afternoon, somebody from here. But it was an FAN deal, you know. So all the FAN salespeople were going to be there. And the clients, it was a client thing, you know. And Bob Gelb, I think he reached out to a, I forget who he reached out to, maybe Pete Morgan. And he was like, oh, man, you can't bring Sid. I love Sid, but you can't bring him. I mean, he's going to take all of our clients. And I said to the person, I said, yes, I will, every one of them. Every, I mean, I'll, I'll have a hot dog. I'll watch the game. I'll give Bob a big kiss on his lips. I will take every one of his clients, every one. You're ruthless. That's yeah, so I, I, was, I wasn't allowed to go because they were nervous, and they should be nervous. Yeah, well, you really don't love Bob Gelbman. No, I love him to pieces. Well, you just contradicted But, yourself, Bob, right? no, Bob Gelb is not going to pay for Gabriel's college education. He barely paid for, for Zach's. That's, un, that's fine. I got yeah. you. But you don't love Bob Gelb. That's well, I love Bob Gelb. Okay. I just love my family more. Okay. Well, I love money more. That would be like coming to my house, <laughs> taking everything I own, and huh? saying, you know, Lou, I love you. 
But uh, that would be true. I, I, two could be the same. I could still love you and still want whatever that's in your house that I want. Okay, so how do you think I would feel after that? Oh, Sid really loves me. I've got nothing. You get over it. Like, I would get over it? Yes. Oh, how would that happen? Well, let me tell you how Bob got over it. I'm not invited to any of these events. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, he won something, then. Thank God, Bob. No, but then he goes, oh, I'm not like that. Stop. I don't care. Sure you care. You absolutely care. Of course he cares. So Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers, uh, I love you. Let's take a quick break, come back. I can say goodbye to everybody. I'll either be back on Wednesday or more likely Thursday with the big Donald Trump show coming up on Friday. We'll come back and wrap things up on a Monday right after this. There's something about you, girl, that makes me sweat. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. saw that video a couple of weeks ago of those people breaking into the Nordstrom's in California, those animals, they're animals, and just stealing stuff and breaking stuff. After 35 years of serving the great city of San Francisco, Nordstrom's closed their doors yesterday because they can't stop the crime and the homeless, the homeless from living inside the store. 35 years, Nordstrom's, San Francisco, closing. It's just a gross commentary on what's going on all across our country. And unfortunately, two of our greatest states, California and New York, resemble each other in its homeless, the crime, you know, now the illegals. There'll be a rally tonight. Uh, Johnny Tobacco will be there and uh, a lot of my friends on Staten Island at 6 o'clock. And it's going to be outside the uh, villa again, the St. John's Villa. And um, not that I have to tell the people of Staten Island this, they're great people, great people. But um, but uh, just be nice, okay? Don't fight with anybody. Uh, Curtis, are you going to be there tonight? Did Curtis say he's going to be there? Yes? Yes. Okay. So Curtis will be there tonight, too. Curtis Sliwa, John Tobacco, and uh, all those great patriots. And they're great patriots. I mean, John Tobacco, let me give you an example. This kid drove all the way to Brooklyn and joined us in the Toys R Us parking lot last Thursday. So when I called him a douchebag earlier and told him to stop out like a little bitch, it's because I love him. And I'm just, listen, I'm just, that's how I feel. I, I don't see the need for violence. I don't want these people here as much as John doesn't want them here. And Curtis, but you can't, you can't uh, fight with them. You know, save all that anger for these politicians. I don't blame the migrants, but I would do the same thing. I'd leave Honduras in the morning. Joe Biden... Kamala Harris, Mayorkas, Kathy Hochul, Mayor Eric Adams. These are the people destroying our cities, our states, and our country. But don't worry. 
There'll be another great party in the Hamptons coming up on Saturday. Folks, I'll see you. If not Wednesday, then Thursday. Whoever fills in tomorrow's show will do great. I'll be filming a movie in Eastchester. So until Thursday, for Lou Rafino, for Justin Ellick, for Noam Layden, and all you folks out there, have yourselves a, a great Monday. Until I'm back. Just the